It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Pen and pat a hand, 
gotta beat it early and beat the caravan. People storm in the gate to get a plate. Them lines packed like the happy land. Either open up with the latest cuts or them rap tools. They're bumped by the latest trucks. From 9 to 11, we do it in the dark. Like we used to do it in the park for the most part. From the very second that the show starts, you witness and compose all. Think Mozart, huh? The love received so far has been so hard. There's a few dudes to run, but they medulla, they sharp. Man, they so soft. Don't be thrown off any Zolar. Avoid them at all costs, like raccoons or skunks. But back to the regular scheduled program. The program is sponsored by Seven Heaven. What else in hell can you get an open line to heaven at 11-11? Emerge at the other end of those meditation portals and elevated walk tools. Even some abort tools. Any questions, comments, or concerns, press one. To everyone else, thanks for attending another session. I'm pleased to teach, but it's an honor to learn. Certainly, courtesy of KTL University. Oh, please don't be frightened. I'm terribly sorry about this. You are! Peace, peace, peace to the family, peace to you and yours. This is Know the Ledge Radio, and you are now rocking with the best. Yes, indeed, this is your host, Brother Blue Pill. You are currently engaged in a special broadcast, special presentation of Know the Ledge Radio. Uh, We have been unable to put this signal up uh, for various different reasons, a majority of which are based on traveling, you know, being out of the transmitting areas at the appropriate time to actually get the signal on on there. So the brother uh, Red is back from Los Angeles. I'm at a stable location. So we had to do this show tonight. We had to make up and put this show together. This is a very, this is the precursor to the prelude for that matter to the upcoming debate this Sunday, April 10th, between our brother, Sheikh Sharif, Aniel Bay, uh, going up against Brother Reggie, okay, of the um, uh, Nile Valley Movement. I don't know. We're going to get some further clarity on that. Let me do this, though. Let me open up the line. My co-host, give me one second. One second, y'all. Pace. 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 Welcome. Pace. Pace. What's good? We on? Yes, we on the air. Peace to the family. Peace to the universe. From the Red Pill representing Northern Ledge Radio. We are definitely in the building. All right. I'm here with the God Cambada. We out here in the studio in the Bronx putting in that work. So um indeed, peace yeah. to the guard. Yes indeed. Uh you know, just wanna say peace everybody. Thank you for joining us. You know, um it's definitely been a very busy week. 
we weren't able to broadcast last night because uh, I was in transit coming back from Los Angeles, LAX. Shout out to the family out there. Uh, Brother Polite, shout out to AA. Shout out to Brother Jamal. Uh, shout out to my brother Roderick, our brother from uh, Canada. He was out there. Oh, um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Shout out to Eminem. Shout out to Selena Chase. Uh, sister that the family will be introduced to in the very near future. Um, just everybody. King Los, you know, for bad boy artist, Diddy Ghostwriter. Yeah, we was in the studio. The brother got bars. He did a one hour and a half freestyle. I don't think I've ever seen that one. Say what? He did an hour and a half freestyle. God damn, you got that on camera? He was killing my dude Roderick, yeah. We got it caught on film. <laughs> and very interesting to say the least. But the brother's very talented. He played us some cuts that he got. He got this Kendrick flow that he mixed with his own flow. And uh, he infused it with some consciousness. And uh, it definitely is, uh, I look forward to hearing more of that when it comes out. The family's going to be pleasantly surprised. They're going to they're gonna get that food that they've been waiting for. So, you know, that's just what it is. And I'm upset that I missed the Fife Dog tribute at the Apollo. Did you know about that, Brother Blueprint? I know about it, yes. By way of our brother, our brother Planet Asia, he's out here in the town, here in the city, you know what I'm saying, shout out to Planet Asia. Um, he was in the building with us yesterday on Sarnetta Studio for, yeah, for Key's uh, presentation, shout out to KG, the arts degree. Uh, yeah. KT, the arts, shout out to KT. I heard about that Batman, uh, Superman decoded. Yes. Yes, he came through and did his thing on the Superman decoded. He um, retrieved the whole decoding uh, uh, genre. <laughs> Revived it, you mean? Yeah, for the community. It had been abandoned a few days earlier. So he came through there and, and resurrected it. Oh, what have you? You know what I mean? So. Hold on. It could be strizzled. Computer? Laptop? Yeah. So, yeah, man. So, the brother, the brother KT did his thing. Um, and the brother uh, was in the building to bear witness to that. Our brother Planet Asia. Planet and, Asia. Um, yeah. He had went to the uh, the Fife tribute after that. You know what I'm saying? And you wasn't able to go? I had some things that I had to do uh, pertaining to some favors I had. To, yeah, I wasn't able to make. Yeah, I know Sarnetta made it, though. I think Sarnetta was in the building. Happy birthday to the brother Sarnetta. You know what I mean? For I forget. Yes, today. Yes. Yeah, shout out to the brother. Today is his born day. You know what I mean? You know. So we had, yeah, we put him on to that, and I'm sure that once he jumped into Whippington and went over there, he knew that he had to be included because we all should have been there. That was a moment. That, that was a hip hop moment. That was a that was a Harlem moment. 
You know what I'm saying? And, you know, that's a conscious community moment because as much as we talk about the reiteration of consciousness, the reintroduction, the um, repackaging, reformatting, and um, all of those things, you know, we have to be mindful of our predecessors. We have to be mindful of the people that were feeding us when we was toddlers. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? The people that were showing uh, the versatility of what intellect could get you and just exactly how attractive it could be on the planet. You know what I mean? Because, you know, it was a point in time when your brothers was, they was the ones, they was topping. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, and, and, and I think that that kind of never ran out. You know, they have always been admonished and admired for their intellect globally. You know, yeah. I remember um, I used to hate on, what you call it? I used to hate on Q-Tip because I asked my whiz at the time. I was like, yo, we're rappers in the game. You like, she was like, um, I love you and everything, but if I seen Q-Tip. <laughs> <laughs> That's a what? Going down, going down in the DM. I was like, what? That was before the DM. Before the let, DM. Me, let me take a guess. That was around the time of vibrant things. Can I just take a guess? Nah, so this was even before. We was in high school. But need an apple bone. Need an apple bone phase. Like, yeah. He had him. Son, son wasn't making it fair. Yeah, so I was I was um, lightweight hating. Like, fuck that nigga. Like, he's dirty macking. Yeah. yeah, I was dirty macking. You know what I'm saying? I used to be a fan. I ain't listen to that shit no more. Yeah, <laughs> I was faking my feelings. So, you know what I mean? These these brothers have made that impact, you know what I'm saying, by way of the consciousness because that's what it was That's what it was called back then. It was backpack. It wasn't even backpack then because it wasn't even, you know, like how conscious shit, consciousness has become hotep niggas. That's mm-hmm. the same, that's the same, uh, 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 classification or tongues and them came with later on and it became backpack rappers, right? So that's the dirty version of what that was. And then, you know, then the conscious rapper title took on a stigma where I remember in 2005, I was interviewing Dead Press and the main thing that um, Stickman kept reiterating to me, oh, we ain't no conscious rappers. Make sure you put that in there. We ain't no yeah. conscious rappers like that shit was synonymous with AIDS or something. <laughs> so, you know, I could like appreciate the fact that what we grew up on was conscious music from conscious artists. And um, you know, what we what we are dealing with today is the latest embodiment mm-hmm. of that never ending wave that is always resurfacing and reformatting and reintroducing itself to the world. You know, there's nothing new under the sun. And what we're dealing with on Sunday is something that has been a uh, recurring theme as well. And that is a critical look that the community decides to have now every somewhat 10 years at um with this more science thing is all about, you know what I mean? What does it have or stand off for our people? Exactly. The chat room family is open. If you want to uh, be a business there, 
If you want to converge in the chat room, just let me fan know that it's open. But please continue. Yeah. So, you know, at a space and time, you feel me? That's where we at. That's what we're dealing with. That's the dynamic. No, makes no sense to run from it. You know what I'm saying? We're going to step to it. And um, tonight's guests, one of tonight's guests are going to be the main focus of that pairing that will take place this weekend, this Sunday in Harlem. And that's our brother, Sheikh Sharif Aniel Al-Bay. So, indeed, yeah, indeed. look forward to uh, tonight's show. And on the flip so side of that, just some perspective, yes. You know, in the, in the, in the, in the spirit of brotherhood, in the spirit of Moorish unity, and in the spirit of bringing forth a living example of Moors who not only speak the lessons and teach the lessons, but they also live the lessons. And that's very important, family, because I've always said that you have people who are book smart and they read about other people from a book, and then you have people who are living out the book. They are the book. You know, they are taking the lessons and applying it. So we have a brother as we have a brother as a co host tonight who I've known this brother for many, many moons, many years, almost ten years. He's been in the he's been in the um community, the industry, the conscious industry. He's been in public and private. He's been um very vocal, very uh, very visual, you know what I'm saying, about what it is to look like a more, live like a more, stand up to the judge like a more, the mores in court, none other than our brother Cheyenne the Liberator in the building. So he'll be with us tonight as a co-host, and um, yeah, we're so definitely, I mean, you know, yeah, brothers over there. Say it again. I said shout out to El Amin and all of the brothers. El Amir. Yeah, shout out to my brother El Amir. Shout out to the whole Merrick Society, uh, Moorish Harem, everybody that's over on my brother's side, on his, you know, on his network, on his platform, and everybody that's putting in work. Shout out to all of the Moors. I saw my brother, my brother Dolo the Moor, uh, a little while ago, about an hour and a half ago. You know, he he was, yeah, Dolo's in the building. He's in the town. He was oh, at yeah, the Apollo yeah, yeah. last night. I seen the guard. I seen the guard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I really look forward to Sunday. It is going to be a wonderful day. Um, I put the P- APB out on Facebook, and I'm going to do that every day until we come to the day of the great debate. I'm going to let the Moors that are out there know that their attendance is needed it's, a, it's anticipated, you know what I'm saying? This conversation that the more they're having on Sunday is a conversation, like you said, Blue Pill, this is a conversation, a why not conversation, a, 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 you know, I'm glad that you asked conversation. Uh, you know, I thought, that you, I thought that you would never call me conversation. Like, the Morris have been you know, um, in the community for very for many, many moons, many years. They've been doing a lot of stuff in the community. What I what I realized when it comes to our Moorish brothers and sisters in the community, 
is that we don't have a dominant media platform, okay? People would say, well, what about Nota Ledge? Aren't you brothers more? I would say yes, indeed. And Nota Ledge, the platform, is dedicated to the five principles, and it's also dedicated to the spirit of the morals and antiquity as well as our brothers in the NSCA. And what we do on our platform is we don't talk about the the unity, but we don't talk about how following the doctrine can help unify the people and bring the people together. We actually show you that, okay? So that's a demonstration that you see on our platform. And we've shown that, you know, by being diplomatic and practicing statementship, we're, 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 we're actually functioning as an actual community because there's many people from different schools of thought and knowledge that come through KTL, through the pillars, there are people of all different backgrounds that come through the pillars. There are people who have contentions with other organizations. We don't let that get in the way. We bring them on. We ask questions. We build with them. We chop it up. We share. And then we keep it moving. And yes. that, that is how I was taught that the Moors were actually supposed to represent themselves at, at the pinnacle. You know what I mean? You know, as a, a very disciplined, studious, you know, man of good character and integrity. Yes. Which, of course, would be a diplomat, right? Because, you know, men of that integrity yes. and that character. A statesman would... and a diplomat. Yes. yes, indeed. Now, let's do this. Before we get into tonight's presentation, we have a very brief, um, we got an upcoming event that we need to put you on to, family, as well, for those that will be in the southern regions of this country, in particular in Atlanta. If you are in Atlanta this weekend, there's going to be a vegan knee out that's going to be taking place. So what I want to very quickly do for about five minutes is bring in our sister, Sister Tassili, the owner of Tassili's Royal Reality Urban Cafe, Woo. okay, right there in the West End, Nani Rap. Nani Rap. <laughs> the best kale in the world, I promise you, fam. The best kale, because a lot of people be running the Krogers and all of that now. The kale is popping. But y'all haven't, I promise you, if you have not gone to Tassili to see her stick on kale, you ain't eat no kale. Yeah, you ain't eat yeah. that. You ain't eating lettuce. So, yeah, do this real quick. Open up the line for call us from the 678-886, if you will, please. You said the six seven eight? Yes, sir. Tassili, if you're on the line, please press number one on your phone. Okay. Call her from the six seven eight 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 six. Peace and welcome to Northern Edge Radio. Greetings. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Yes, loud and clear. This is Tassili. How you doing? Peace and love. Greetings, <laughs> It's <laughs> a standing ovation. Yeah, that's that's our well, emoji. For the love. Well, we're happy thanks to have you. You're a legend. How are you? It's beautiful. Well, I am. I'm strong. I've been hanging out with Mama Pill. We've been making sure we've been um, uh, staying strong and and representing Mother Wit. And we're inviting everyone to come down uh, to Atlanta and to the meet out on Sunday the 10th from 2 to 7 
at Atlanta Metropolitan uh, College. It's on uh, Metropolitan Avenue. And we're going to have some wonderful things going on. There will be an opportunity to see food demos, to gather information, to get body work. There will be a marketplace. I'll be teaching a kundalini yoga class. There will be a panel discussion. And um, the panel is going to be centered around the topic of the spiritual aspect of vegetarian food. And so I'll be on the panel. Mama Pill will be on the panel. That's right. That's Amira Thomas. And then Dr. B. Sirius and Dr. Emicola Richardson. And so um, the heavy lineup. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're not playing. Serious business. (laughs) We have a planet to, to, to transform, you know. And we have to make every moment an opportunity to move our That's people right. closer to freedom, justice, and equality. And so the best way that I know of right now to be a modern-day revolutionary without picking up a gun, without throwing a grenade, even though those things do have their place, but the best way I know to do it right now is by choosing life, by defying That's the right. death industry, by making sure that we're aware of the fact that it is yeah expensive to be healthy in America in America but if you choose to be healthy on the front end you don't have to worry about paying for it on the back end so yeah you may spend a little more to get the healthy food the organic food but do the best that you can invest in yourself and your family and when you can do better do better that way you're about being healthy holistically whereas when you invest in the madness and the processed foods and the McDonald's and so on and so forth, then you are contributing to the death industry, which means you're going to be on meds, thus contributing to the pharmaceuticals, contributing to the hospitals, contributing to the doctors, contributing to the insurance companies, and utmost contribution is going to be going to poor health. So why do you put yourself in a situation that you don't even have to Also, as I've been shown with my presentation around this country, they're also contributing to the death of the planet because the the beef industry, right, if we want to talk about carbon emissions and all of these other things, even when you understand that the planet has now become an oversized farm, you know, the majority (laughs) of the planet that is being farmed is to feed cattle, okay? So... The planet is literally being destroyed so you can get your red meat burger fix, which is just making you more European by the day. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it is incumbent upon us to be Sister Tassili, we can't hear you on your phone. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, Let's see. Can you hear me now? Yes, we can. 
Okay, cool, my bad. I was saying, um, what what was the last thing you heard? So I have to repeat. <laughs> you said that um, why can't we? Ah. And that was it. <laughs> okay, why um can't we be about choosing life? You know, like you're saying, choosing I think that, to to stay yeah. on the planet. Life is not that exciting to people. There hasn't been a marketing machine behind life that makes it as attractive as death. Let's just be real, okay? Life is not as convenient as death. So when we're talking and we're looking at people that take the path of least resistance, you know, the easiest thing is the thing that's most convenient. So convenience stores sell poison 24-7. That's convenient. Absolutely. That's the path of least resistance. I can sleepwalk to the convenience store in my pajamas and get me my sugar fix shooting up. You know what I'm saying? Whereas the vegan thing, it's going to take a little bit more work. And I'm just going to have to be a little bit more imaginable about how to make my kale taste like a punani wrap. You know? (laughs) And people, unfortunately, don't want to exert themselves at that level especially when it's being made to be more convenient to just be, you know, one of the zombies. There's a lot of collusion that goes along with that. You know, this place has become an asylum, and there's, you know, it's enough crazy to go around. So that's what people get into. But there are some people, you know, in little pockets on this planet that are doing something else like you said, those people are revolutionizing the whole concept of what lifestyle is about, of what living is about, you know, or what life is about, period, you know, in regards to, you know, quote-unquote, being about that life. And you can't be about that life if all you do is promote death. You feel me? So Right. And choosing life to be something as simple. I'm sorry, go ahead. Nah, we we just want to direct the people to be involved. If you're going to be in Atlanta region, you can't make it up to New York for the debate this weekend. Make sure that you drop in to the meetout, you know what I'm saying, and meet you some wonderful people. Stop making these excuses for yourself. It's springtime. You know, you need to spring forth and, and get into the new you. See what this thing is really about. The whole process and the procession of the of the sun is that it goes through a process of death to be reborn you know we're going to go through that on this planet with our bodies as well but the whole the the, the beauty of it is the rebirth and you could be reborn any day your choice is yours you know Absolutely. let those Choosing that know life. help you yes with that decision because a lot say. of people feel okay let me allow you to I was going to say choosing life can be as simple as choosing an apple over a bag of potato chips, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and if nine times out of ten you've chosen the apple, then off on that tenth time you want to have a bag of potato chips, go for it. But nine out of ten times with that, your body is not even going to want the potato chips at that point because it's been used to receiving the living enzymes of the apple. But if you do enjoy the potato chips, then that just reinforces the importance of knowing that you can have many things within moderation as long as it's not contributing to poor health and death. Yes. So with that, definitely 
want to say thank you one more again. Please repeat information pertaining to the meet out. I also want you to let them know where they can get their mouth on some Punani rap. <laughs> okay. Well, the meet out is this Sunday from 2 to 7 at Atlanta, Atlanta Metropolitan College. And it's on Metropolitan Boulevard in southwest Atlanta. You will be able to experience a variety of things that will educate you and tantalize your taste buds, and you'll be really inspired to make better choices. You can find me at Tassili's Raw Reality, 1059 Ralph David Abernathy in the historic West End. You can Google raw food in Atlanta, and we come up first. It's home of the original (laughs) spicy kale wrap. And the delicious <laughs> Punani wrap. And you That's know right. Can I tell him right quick why it's called the Punani wrap? Please, let him know about the Punani Okay. Yes. The Punani wrap is called the Punani wrap simply because, like all good Punani, it's hot and spicy. Sweet, succulent, and juicy, like every woman wants to eat, and like every man wants to eat, and it keeps you coming back for more. <laughs> All right, family, there it is. Experience it for yourself. Um, make sure if you're in the ATL, get stopped by Tassilis. All right. Tell a friend to tell a friend, even if you're coming up for the debate, you got family that's down south, get them involved. That's because right. oftentimes right. we hear from a lot of people that there's not enough commonality with recipes or people that are in the lifestyle. They need to be around more people that are practicing this discipline. So meet out is where you can meet up people that are not into meat, all right? And this is vital Absolutely. in the south because the body. No, hold on. I want to say this. If you're listening to this show, I know you got family in the South. I'm almost 100% sure you got some of your family in Atlanta. This is what we're saying. That you, we're, we're, we're saying, to, we're charging you to send your mother or your auntie or your, or your grandmama or your baby mama or your wife or your girl or your uncle who got diabetes you know what I'm saying? Or your cousin, you know, who may have a blood disease. I'm with your saying brothers, that sisters, uncles, cousins, grandfather. All of them. Yeah, in all of them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Man, and them, all of them. We're telling you that we're, we're saying send them to Sister Tassili, Mama Pill, and a whole bunch of other people who speak their language and will definitely take care of of the business at hand. You go ahead and do what you got to do. Go and hug a tree, pick a flower. You can go and sell the shea butter. Whatever you got to do, you come to the debate. Whatever you do in your everyday, you do it if you want to do that. But send the people who need it the most, those that who are suffering. We want to convert our people that are both on the fence and have no idea whatsoever that healthy food tastes like this, that real food tastes like this. The world food can ever taste like this. They think of Brussels sprouts and asparagus. They need to come and see us because the art of healing is done through the food, first and foremost. 
So we're talking about That's right. Out people we use to get food healed. as medicine. Food as medicine. Because look. That's right. You could be very healed in life. You could be very strong. You could have all of the money. You could be hopping out of any car that we could, any name that we could throw at you. But if you're being fed by somebody who hates you, and it's a hateful food of pigs that were wrapped in an iron cage, that's how they grew up inside of an iron cage, you see, or animals who were sitting around listening to their families get killed every day, they mama them, they mama them, auntie them, they brother them. Because think, you know those animals, they, they, they're not as, you know, our, our people are so arrogant, the animals are dumb when you want them to be, but the niggas talk in Disneyland and other places when you want them to be. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You're having conversations with your dog. You're licking right. him. You're like, you know, why did you know why did Jason leave me? Mm-hmm. He's smart then, but they're dead when they're in the slaughterhouse, right? That's right. Teach. So, teach. I mean, I, folks, that. folks. But if I may, I just you know want to put this out there and and really help mm-hmm. us to readjust our lens. You know, I see our people. They'll be driving the Benz, the Lexus, the Maserati, and they will not think twice about putting out a minimum of five hundred for just a tune-up. And you know they're gonna definitely put nothing in there but premium gasoline. And then That's they right. get in their expensive luxury car and drive to McDonald's. What? You can get a new car, but you cannot get a new body. What is wrong with that picture? Hmm. Something wrong with it. Okay. But we definitely want to say saying. thank you. Indeed. Right. We look forward Indeed. to seeing you all Sunday. And, Pill, y'all got to come on down. We know yes, we, we, we will be there. Malcolm X All Festival right. Weekend and maybe before that, but we in the building. Love and light. Excellent. All right. Peace and strength. Peace. Peace. All right. All right, family. Let's get it in. Okay. I know the family showed up tonight uh, for the main event, which will be our brother Sharif, Sheik Sharif on Anil Bay. The Cheyenne, the Liberator, and the Pills in Moorish history. So we had all of these brothers together sharing information. And the title of the show is The European White and the Conscious Community's Collusion to Suppress Moorish History. Tune in for the precursor to the upcoming debate this weekend between Brother Reggie and Sheikh Sharif Ananil Bey and Cheyenne, the Liberator. All right? So without any further ado, I want to open up the line for the call from the 803-517. Peace and welcome to Nova Less Radio. As-salamu alaykum, rahmatullah, peace and blessings to the family. What's going on? Thanks for having me on. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Hold on, man. Stop playing. And um, good. the show will not good. be rated R tonight, family. But if we do, if you do hear an explicitive here and there, just know that it's out of passion, okay? It's not a, a dirty Moorish thing. You just have to put that out there. We gotta roll out the Moorish carpet and clean it before we start. Damn, bro, it's been a minute since you've been with us. Welcome back. No, no doubt, no doubt. Honest for having me on. You know, you know we, you know I'm just um. 
you know, just building, man, working on solutions, you know what I'm saying, Put building solutions with me and my team, you know what I'm saying, and, uh, you know, putting it out there responsibly, you know, making sure yeah. that, you know, we're doing our part to contribute, you know what I mean, to solving some of these problems that, uh, you know, our people are having. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, it, that, that's a wonderful thing because ever so often, you know, a lot of people ask questions, like what are people? What are the Moors doing, or what have the Moors done? And you know, what are where are they at? We don't see them. We're in the streets, and there's no feathers, you know, out there. And where are the guys from Moors in court? We don't see them anymore. Where's Brother Cheyenne? So a lot of people over the years have been wondering where the brothers have been because they haven't seen them in the public as much as they were seeing them years ago. And even today when I, I spoke to a friend of mine, I was like, yeah, we got our brother Cheyenne on the show with us tonight. They was like, wow. But when it was like that interesting because I remember you brothers 10 years ago, almost eight years ago in 08, doing the work, you know, spreading the information, shining the light, holding the flag. You guys made it through the, uh, the first, you know, uh, Alhambra Battle of the Moors, you know. Indeed, indeed. And well, um, you know, I just want to say honors and salute for the work and being consistent and still being consistent and still being here and evolving and growing. You feel what I'm saying? Because if, if we're not able to measure our success 10 years later and look back and be like, yo, I've grown considerably because I've settled forward, I've learned, I've been through trials and tribulations, I've, you know what I mean, I've transformed. These are some of the things that I can relate to. So, you know. Indeed, I know there's indeed, a lot of people going through that. Definitely. Um, just just a quick rundown. You know, it's um, I never, you know, I never left. You know what I'm saying? It's just, you know, I never, I I was never fame chasing. You know what I'm saying? So, I understand. You know, I, a lot of my people on the on the, on my team and on my squad, they say, yo, you know, you you got to be public more, shy. You got to be out there. You L, y'all got to be out there. You know what I mean? Y'all got to get up in the social media game and, and I understand, you know what I mean, but there's a lot of there's a lot of battles we was fighting on behalf of, you know, all Moors and all of our people in general. There's a lot of companies and things that we were setting up and it's just, you know, when you in, when you doing work, it's hard to do both at the same time. You know what I'm saying? So now, you know, we got things to a certain level where, you know, we situated, we perfected everything we're doing, we got victories. You know what I'm saying? We got, you know, receipts, proofs, IOS evidences of everything that we've been doing and what works, what don't work. And that's the thing about us, too. You know, what we do is we we make sure we put ourselves in a position where we're going to test everything out on ourselves before endorsing anything, you know what I'm saying, to anybody. You know what I mean? To this day, you know what I'm saying, nobody can say, that they ever got jammed up dealing with the Murakush brothers or dealing with Cheyenne, you know what I mean, or dealing with Illumir, you know what I mean, those things. Our name is clean on the street, you know what I'm saying? You got Everybody got haters, but our name is clean on the streets, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, it's just really about put, we just putting that work in, and, and now, you know what I mean, we just doing our thing, you know, getting on that grind, letting everybody know what time it is, what, what we're doing, and, you know, it's all about presenting solutions, you know what I'm saying? So, that's what we into. So, you know, I definitely appreciate, you know what I mean, you brothers having me on. Like I tell everybody all the time, you know, 
I've always been good with you brothers, and every time we linked up, it's always been monumental. You know what I'm saying? We've always did monumental things, monumental work. So, you know what I mean? Definitely honest for having me on, you know what I mean? So, it's all love. It's all right. And, you know, look forward because the the, the best time is the present, is the now. You know what I mean? Um, I could go on record saying that since we've linked back up, monumental things have already taken place. You feel me? Um, Look forward to the facts. Uh, live webinar coming up next week. I'm going to give everybody an email who has signed up for it so y'all know that it's coming. But I have to thank my brother Cheyenne, the Liberator. The re- not, that's not the reason why we postponed the actual webinar, but the brother and I have been doing so much wonderful work business-wise, you know what I'm saying, and solidifying the foundation and making sure that this thing, because when you're setting up something as historical and monumental, as the facts initiation, it's only right that the foundation is completely strong. So I have to thank my brother for his professionalism, his business acumen, and the knowledge that he possesses in the realm of private, you know what I'm saying, corporate, and also in other um, business areas with his 720, the um, your 720 business that you have. What's the, what's the name of the business again? Um, it's called 720 Entrepreneurs. Dot com. You can check us out there. No doubt. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, the ability um, to help one get his LLC done and Brad, all of these corporate affairs together, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, set up right. the ability for us to offer equity in our companies and shares and things of that nature. You know, I mean, conversations that a lot of other people are not happy, okay? And I'm in the middle of a lot of conversations and I don't hear them talking about putting anything together. Like that. So I want to give thanks to the brother for his professionalism. And, um, you know, once again, we, we link back up and we do monumental things. And that's what Boston Indeed. is. Indeed, I want to give you an honor so, for reaching yeah. out. You know what I'm saying? I want to give you honors for reaching out. And, you know, one thing that's interesting, too, is as soon as I made the book available, The, seven, the uh, 720 Entrepreneur, The Craft of Entrepreneurship, which uh, could be uh, purchased at the 720entrepreneurs.com, which is pretty much a book that I wrote on 11 years of experience of my trials and tribulations of being an entrepreneur since 19 years old, you know what I mean? And I'm 32 now, you know what I mean? So it's pretty yeah. much a, collabor- a collaborative effort of everything I put together and learned on my failures, on my successes, and you was one of the first people to purchase it, you know what I'm saying? So I definitely want to give right. you honors, and I definitely want to salute you, you know what I mean, for supporting the more. You know what I mean? Definitely, um, it definitely showed me who's real and, you know what I mean, who's not. You know what I'm saying? So I definitely want to give you honest for that. Indeed, brother. You know what I mean? Before we get to our brother, um, Sharif, I just wanted to add on because I want the family to understand what's happening so we don't have to ever speculate. We can have living examples. I said to myself, why go to anybody else? When I know that my brothers have advertised, they spent marketing and promotion to share with the family. We do legal services and we do these things. So I came to the brother not with favors in my hand or a cup. I came and spent money with my brother. I spent fiat currency, but it was a, it's, whatever you call it, but I call it we bought it, you know, we exchanged in a robbery. It's called a bartering. says I would never want anything for my brothers in that fair exchange. 
And I'm like, yo, I'm, I'm, I'd rather do business. I, I don't want to do no business with a stranger. We got our people right around us working. So the FACTS initiative is about realizing that I have a network surrounding me. Of my network is my network. And I'm a trillionaire because of my network. And I know everybody around me is trillionaires themselves, a trillion ions in the air. And the way that we're going to get stronger is by building relationships on the business and in the personal and other places like the, uh, the, the educational, intellectual realms as well. But we got to break bread, like I said in the rhyme. Let me go ahead and open up the line, though. I could be a little long-winded. Yes, you um, can. Let's, get to our, sure. yeah, let's get to our guests for tonight. Call it from the 214 Four eight nine. Peace and welcome to Motor Ledge Radio. I mean, I mean, I got, you know, Chance, we're going to say Blue Pass, Sharif, Little Stuff, Detroit, Detroit, Detroit. Do you know what the uh, area code is, our brother's calling from, Blue Pass? Give me one second. Brother Sharif. Um, yes. yes, he's there. 315. Oh, that's one good brother. Indeed. Yes. We didn't see you in the court the whole building. time. Yes, I got to take Indeed, it. brother. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's go ahead and open up his line as soon as he presses one. Yeah, but take the time, fam, and share the show uh, on your social networks, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat. Let me know that we're live. Call it from the 315 395 Peace and welcome to Nodal Ledge Radio. Peace, Islam, everyone. Islam. Peace. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Man, it's been a minute. Ledge I ain't been on it in a while. Yes, sir. This, this has been a, a show long in the making. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So I'm honored to finally have our brother in the building. Yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. Honored to be here. I'm honored to be here. Know the Ledge Radio, Red Pill, Blue Pill. Um, he's my brother Cheyenne. I don't think we've had a chance. We, we have once before. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, hey. man. This is um, you know, we got we have a we have a um, in a, 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 a an event that's history in the making this upcoming Sunday. You know. Mm-hmm. Indeed, and often indeed we do. You know, we we get opportunities when there's big quote unquote competitive events that are upcoming. You know, we see the twenty four hours. Uh right. what's 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 the joints that Mayweather and them be doing? Oh <laughs> uh, the the HBO you know, the, yeah, the the doing. Yeah, the day in the life and all of that. You know, we get yeah. a lot of insight into what leads up to events like this. But um you know, we've only got the opportunity to dialogue with you when we see you. We see you on Baba TV sometime. You know, you pop in up on the couch every now and then. But as we approach, you know, we are in those shadow hours at this point. You know what I'm saying? I could count the days down on my hand. What are you going through internally? You know what I'm saying? How are you mentally preparing yourself for an engagement like this? I'm getting calls from around the country. And the people are putting on me. Just from being the witness to it, I'm like, damn, I could imagine what the participants are feeling. <laughs> so can, can you talk to us about that? You know what I mean? Oh, for sure, for sure, for sure. I mean, first, you know, um, 
yeah, I'm getting, you know, wild calls, emails, you know, people I don't even know. It's it's very, very interesting. Um, I would say up until day before yesterday, the pressure, you know, there was, I felt, I, I was feeling the pressure because as we all know, this thing is way bigger than me or, or my opponent. It's bigger than us, you know, hence mm-hmm. the title of this, of this radio show. This thing is huge. You, you know what I mean? And, um, you know, especially from the perspective of the Morris Science Temple of America, this is a first. You know, this really is, it really, really is a first. And um, I'll be honest, there's a lot of pushback from inside my organization, you know, that doesn't mm. want me to do this. It's real. You know, I'm, we're, we're wow. taking a hit. But, you know, it is what it is. This is, you know, this is not, I am not representing the Morris Science Temple of America, per se. I'm a member and a faithful member. But we are representing Ali's men. And Ali's men stands for the uniting of the Morris Science Temple of America. You know, so, so you know, there's the difference. And, um, you know, we're acting as our soul dictates on this. So, like I said, we, this, this is history in the making because we're going to put out some things that, again, we're shooting past Reggie. You know, let me repeat that. We're shooting past Reggie. This thing is way, way bigger. We thank Reggie for, allow, for, for being the conduit, you right. know, for, for, for this thing to go down, man. We, 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 we thank Allah that Allah put it in his heart to not just challenge Sharif and I obey, but as in his own words, challenging all Moors. We thank Allah for that, man. You know, to, to, put it, to put it in him to be the bullet finder, you know. And so what's going to happen is that he's allowing us through his challenge the opportunity to present to that community and to a, you know into their constituency worldwide a solid and responsible you know and candid and um concise view of the Moorish movement after that they take it or leave it alone but they'll know you know what i mean and there's going to be some things yes. revealed that many Moorish Americans have never heard as well it's going to be very interesting. They, see, see, my opponent thought that by challenging somebody from the Moorish Science Temple of America, he thought that, oh, okay, well, all they got is theology and philosophy. That's what he thought. I mean, yes, we teach Islam and Islamism, but the name of the organization is called the Moorish Science Temple of America. You know what I'm saying? Truth is but one. If you think that science, or you know, especially, wait a minute, see these, these are cats that, especially Reggie, that um, say, they say, that they follow Nile Valley culture. Well, that's what they say. Yeah, that's what they say. But I mean, I'm saying there was a priesthood in ancient Kemet. A priesthood. You had to, to to get the higher learning. You had to go through initiation. You understand what I'm saying? How about, but how about that? This, the same stuff that they in in the present day would call spooky ran concurrent with technology that can't be duplicated today. So figure that out. You know what I mean? So, so if they're following the Western idea that religion and science are separate, that means they don't understand religion or science. 
It's just that simple. You know, they don't understand even one. But they're going to give us the opportunity to demonstrate. You know what I mean? And, and, and I guarantee we will not disappoint. I guarantee there's going to be a whole bunch of people, a whole bunch of people that are going to, that are going to switch religions. And I mean that metaphorically. I don't mean that literally. I mean that metaphorically. They're going to, they're going to flip on, on Sunday. Now, oftentimes, you know, especially as of recently, when I engage in these conversations about the community, yes, I say that the only glue that holds the community together is trauma. Mm. There's a lot of, like, trauma is the campfire. And yes, all of these, or the majority of these organizations are gathered around the campfire for the insulation. Yes, so it's trauma. They have commonality in trauma. Yes, Why sir. do you think that there's such um, rehashing of that traumatic experience anytime religion is brought up? That's huge, brother. We, we, I mean, a simple response would be, you know, collectively, our people are sadomasochists, and we've been conditioned to become sadomasochists socially because we're fighting a silent weapon in a quiet war. We don't understand how the attack is coming, where, you know, or, or the source of the attack. So we're at, we're we're at a loss to develop a solid um, defense, and then we look real crazy to other people saying that it's that you know that we're being attacked. You know, I mean, I'll just go right into it, bro. The whole black and white thing, the whole color code system of race classification is the matrix. It's the matrix. You know why? First and foremost, in that color code system, it's the power brokers that decide the definitions, regardless of what anybody wants to say about black or white. The power brokers decide the definitions. We might have, like I told Reggie, we might have the, or told, I told this to Sinetta, we might have the prerogative of saying what we think black may mean, but that only works in our living room and maybe in our neighborhood at best, not in society and not in this society. So when so the thing about the color code system of race is that you have black and white. One is, perma, is a permanent upper class. One's a permanent lower class. And what that means is black whiteness defines blackness but whiteness being the top at the top of the of the um of, of the status of the caste system is considered normal anything other than quote unquote white is other than normal so what that means is that the privilege is invisible to the power brokers it's invisible to those who benefit from that status it's invisible so what do you do? You personify, man, them damn white people. The white people did this. The white people did that. And they're looking at you like, huh? And the rest of society is looking at you the same way. Like, huh? What are you talking about? You got something nameless, faceless, and tasteless attacking you, and nobody can see it. You feel it, and it's real, but you can't say what it is. Why? Because you are trying to describe the weapon and the attack using the very same weapon <laughs> that is attacking you. And the only way out of it is to know. What a conundrum. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So what we do is we find comfort in our, in our collective pain. It becomes a badge of honor now. It becomes a prideful thing, you know? 
No, no disrespect. We throw our fists up in the air and scream black power and ain't got nothing in our fists. No economics. No protection. No legal protection. You know, no collective self-determination. Just an empty fist. Indeed, if y'all don't mind, I would like to definitely add on to that. Um, <laughs> sir, yes, sir. The, yes, sir. Because um, I had a, I had the, last week, I think it was a week or two ago, brother had, that does the Do the Knowledge radio show. Um, yes. I had got on there with shout Brother out. Reggie. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely yes. shout out to the brother. I yes. got on there with Brother Reggie, and, uh, you know, I had to wash him up. You know what I mean? I had to go and <laughs> dig into his origin and understanding about what this black thing is about. Yes. And, you know, he pretty much had no he had no, no, no understanding of it and no answer. And I was like, well, why don't you call yourself Kemet or Commission? When you, you know, contracting, you know what I'm saying? And he, he hit me with the yabba dabba do, you know what I mean? The upper, the upper, the upper, the, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so he was stuck for a minute. And it's interesting because I just had a show, me and my brothers, we had a show um, on Monday. On Monday, right. I heard it. on the same thing about the fact that mm-hmm. um, the source of white power is to keep everybody else in in the black status, that the ones who identify with black, because, you know, according to Federal Directive 15, you know, it tells you that black and white, I mean, these, these particular statuses, which is the origin of the federal government's race classification system, says right. that it has nothing to do with science or anthropology. You know what I mean? And, that, right. and you can look at every different group on there, and they all say they descend from original peoples. So white is anyone who is a descendant of the original peoples of Europe, North Africa, Middle East, whereas when you look up black, it says anyone originating from the black racial groups of Africa. You know what I mean? <laughs> and we've identified that that actually is a black. Black is a slave status before the 13th Amendment, and after the 13th Amendment, it's a criminal status. So, you know, if anybody gets a chance, we got an article that we did on our website, another one of our websites called privateattorneygenerals.com. All you got to do is search why, you know, blacks ignore that black is means slave or criminal. I posted it in the chat. And there's a list of sources from out of the law books, from, from case citations, Supreme Court, you know, history books showing that the, the black is a criminal and slave status. So I just wanted to corroborate what you were saying, brother. You're absolutely right. There's a law. That's that's correct, bro. I, I I wanted to touch on you know because you, you mentioned Federal Directive 15 and you mentioned the definition they give. Like we all took grade school English, you know we know the the rules of English language, including defining a word. And so right. you mentioned the definition they give of black, and it, you know I have it in front of me. A person having origins in any of the black racial groups of Africa. How in the world you would have got an S in grade school if you tried to, if you used the word you're defining in your definition. That's <laughs> crazy. That's crazy. Oh, you know? Yeah, it's crazy. And and the so, whole thing of white, a person having origins in any of the of any in any of the original peoples of Europe, North Africa or the Middle East, oh my goodness. In in the in the in the debate we're going to talk about one of, Reggie, one of Reggie's bosses, and that's what I call him, one of Reggie's bosses, one of Reggie's handlers, and that's Charles Seligman. You know, Charles Seligman is the guy that forwarded and pushed, you know, and mainstreamed the Hamitic hypothesis in Western academia. 
The Hamitic hypothesis is the is the hypothesis that the European race you know racist imperialists came up with to explain how peoples you know our people you know or, or to explain away the fact that they saw our people building and inhabiting cities that had technology that was that was beyond their wildest dreams, like the pyramids in Egypt. So they said it couldn't have been these oh. Negroes. It had to be somebody related to Caucasians. So they, so very simply, the Hamitic hypothesis oh. basically is, you know, it supports colonial, European colonialism and imperialism to solve the problem of being forced to admit high civilization in ancient times achieved by a Negroid people. The hypothesis basically labels the Hamites and North Africans as dark-skinned white, pastoral Europeans or Eur-Africans and make them separate and distinct from the so-called, from the sub-Saharan, you know, Africans, they call them Negroes and Bushmen. Hey, hey, bro. Uh Go ahead, ahead. I'm sorry. That's 100%. That's 100% right and exact. Just to corroborate with you, I posted a source in the chat from the U.S. Dictionary of Races and Peoples that details Mm. and outlines exactly what you're saying. That's crazy. See, that's crazy. This is where that whole narrative, you know, this is this, it's based, this is what Federal Directive 15 is based on right here. Absolutely. That's what it's based on. And the myth, the myth, here's two other myths, right? This is the source of the myth that the term Asiatic denotes a racially mixed or pale people from the north. And it's the source of the myth that our people are only sub-Saharan Africans. This is the source of it, the Hamitic hypothesis. You see? And, and so what else does that tell you? Is that the Hamitic hypothesis informed even early Afrocentric thinking. Oh, oh, oh. Damn. It's crazy. Damn. Damn. You know, <laughs> a flip side to that too, brother, a flip yes, side sir. to that is that the when you look up the the book is from the ninth from nineteen eleven which you, yes. which is federal directive come from and what right. they did was they included West Africa like the way <laughs> they got the geography laid out is it pretty much anyone and, and a lot of people are not going to like this but right. you're dealing with the people who utilize the Christian doctrine of discovery and when yes. they came up into Africa and saw the people who was not dealing with Islam. You know what I mean? Then they pretty much labeled them Negroes because the people in West Africa, they got that labeled all the way from Senegal and the Senegambia and the definition of who's included is white. And then Mm. the interesting thing about it is the Songhai Empire. We have records. I'm looking for that source right now. You know, because, you know, we may, may, I'm going to say we may disagree on certain things theologically with the MSDA. The Moors got to yes, stand against and squash these cats out because, you Facts. know, Moors have the solutions and have a better pro- program and platform overall and generally than, you know, the, than what the brothers in the conscious community as far as the comedic brothers is bringing forward. And so the actual, the, the people in West Africa, the Songhai Empire, I'm getting the source together right now. Me and my people's getting it together right now. They, we have the records where they called themselves white, I'll be damned. They they refer to themselves, and we know Damn. that us over there is darkening all of us on the line. Right. Indeed. Right. You, you see, that's big right there. Because I'm going to 
saw that briefly in the in in the debate where you know there, it's the part of academic accuracy and academic fitness to um look at ancient things with ancient eyes you can't look at something ancient with modern eyes you know what i'm saying uh, so interestingly so enough then consider yeah. white i'm go ahead bro this go ahead. past weekend they had a brother it was on the studio, so I in the studio. He was on the couch, and Brother Reggie was in the room with him. This is Brother Trust, from what I understand his name is. He was schooling him on the same notes. Wow. Brother Reggie was silent as a church mouse, and he kept trying to redirect the conversation, you know, <laughs> towards, well, did Moors call themselves Moors back then? You know what I'm saying? So every time the information is presented, not only him, but people from that circle that will help push the conversation a little bit forward where we could deal with some level of intellectualism, right, yes, because it's all based on perspective. Like you said, these were not yes. the same words used during this time period. Right. You know? Right. Correct, bro. Can I ask the brothers? Yes, sir. You got a question? Yeah. Yes. I want a perspective from both of you, brothers, as to – where, where do you see the last eight years, and that would be the last debate with Aileen Bay and Sarah Sutton Seti, and to this debate coming up will bookmark that period, right? Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, it still coincides with the Obama presidency because that was the same time that he came into mm-hmm. office, and it's ending. It's the bookmark on the legacy of Obama, right, who is the quintessential more sitting in in the seat of uh, the Western, um, you know, so uh, the West Gate, yeah. right? So yeah. they say that things go in cycles. You know, I'm a firm believer of life being centrifugal, you know, and not linear. So I believe things go in cycles. Would you say that we are returning to a cycle that we found ourselves in Eight years ago, and like Blue Pill said, when the conversation to advance or the conversation to move forward in the name of uplifting our people and being unified on all fronts, you know, and being prepared. That's a bit. We're not going to be unified on all fronts. Yeah, I'll tell you. Well, there will be unification on all fronts in wartime. You know, that's essential to winning a war. You know what I mean? It's being unified on all fronts. There, there is a, that's not a myth. But what I want to know is what from each brother, Cheyenne and Sharif, give me an eight-year rundown real quick, you know, as to what it is that you've seen the progress of the Moors, the progress of the community, the evolution and the devolution. Hmm. Well, um, you want to go first, Brother Sharif, or... Go ahead, brother. Go ahead. All right. What I would say is, I'm going to try not to be long-winded here. The thing is, I remember seeing a a video. probably had to be around 2004, and you was on the DVD, Brother Sharif. You was on the DVD. Yeah, I I had seen that, right? So what was interesting is I remember hearing you say, you know, back in the day and recently that a lot of things – that you did as far as, you know, with UCC's filing paperwork, 
a lot of malls was running off of that stuff. You know what I'm saying? Um, just you know, just different formulas and stuff you may have tried or whatever the case may be. And then I also see in a certain gap where we've contributed to a lot of growth and information. And I, I don't want to just pigeonhole you. Sorry for that. Like, now it just wasn't just UCC, but a lot of concepts, you know, that right. all started to run with you introduced it. You know what I'm saying? Yes, and then there was a time when we came in, me and my brothers and my person, we introduced some things, and, you know, people got some information with some growth. What I see, right. what, for the positive and the negative, because you learn from the mistakes too. So yes. what I've seen over the last eight years is that everyone has had a chance to denigrate the malls. Everyone has had a chance to talk about what the malls haven't been doing, what they should do, or that, you know, oh, the more soulless and the slave. There's been a lot of slander on, on the eight years on that end from people who don't necessarily identify as malls. But with the, what I've seen the moors doing is I've seen the moors, I've seen more people join the Moore Science Temple, which I think in many ways is a is a is a good thing because you know it's a it's a great starting point for many different things you know what I mean and I've seen more people try to elevate and take it beyond that is is in in terms of just being active in certain formulas and certain things that we need for liberation so while everybody was talking and doing what they're doing the morals have been building you know and there's been a lot of cleaning house in the Moorish community as well because it's, I find it interesting that the brothers Sharif say Ali's men is based on uniting the Moore Science Temple, and yes. our movement, the Murica Society, is uniting the Moors in general with the rest of the Muslim Ummah. So yes, what sir. we see is a great uniting, you know what I mean, on all fronts over these eight years, because I know personally from talking from Moors who's in the Moore Science Temple, those who may not be members of the Moore Science Temple, that what we all are looking for, what we all want, is the unification. Everybody's been pushing for the unification. Everybody's been pushing for more facts, more thorough information. And what I've seen over these last eight years is an extreme amount of growth, and I've also seen, and I'm going to end it off off here, I've also seen that there has been a larger larger attention being paid to the Moors in general based on DVDs that have come out, based on certain things in the media, certain things that's been coming up in the news, you know, whether we can't necessarily look at the Moors that may take an L on news media and different things like that as a bad thing because the awareness is growing. And there's a rebellious spirit in the people. The people want to know more about why are these things happening to me. Why is it that they can just roll up on me? Why is it that our people getting shot down in the streets? And you got Moors there saying, listen, nationality, status, you know, um, um, we, you know we got to get rid of this. We got to deal with this black label. So overall, I think there's been a a tremendous amount of growth over the last eight years of interest from people who know nothing about the Moors, who want to know more about the Moors, and the Moors themselves working out the kinks, coming into a phase of unification. That's what I've witnessed overall. Indeed. Brother Sharif? Yes, sir. Um, I would concur with, with what the brother said. You know, the, your question, though, brother, um, your initial question sparked a, a different thought in me that, you know, you know, is complementary to what the brother just said, but it, it goes in a different direction. You know, you mentioned a time period, particularly the time period, and we teach that very same thing in the more science of America. We don't measure time in a linear fashion. We measure time in cycle ages. But here's what's deep about that. I want to touch on that, real, I want to touch on that really quick. In our lesson in the more science of America, 
it's 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 um Elihu and Salome teaching the mother of Jesus and the mother of John the Baptist. And whether you you believe in the historical you know characters or not, it's totally irrelevant. It's understanding the narrative. You know, so Matheno, I'm sorry, um um Elihu and Salome were who? They were initiates from ancient Kemet. So when they say we measure time by cycle ages, they weren't talking about everybody. They were talking about the illumined. They were talking about the enlightened measure time that way. You see what I'm saying? So that's that's deep because if you measure time in a cycle age, the illumined, you know, are able to see the pattern and the patterns come and go. And the you know the pattern you know so you see the pattern how it plays out throughout history to to change the course of history or to alter history or change the direction of people's progress all you have to do is pick the appropriate pattern and then insert yourself in the pattern and through you real time things happen and you know real events happen in real time according to the pattern and you know the beginning and the end of it because you know the beginning and the end of the pattern anyway that being said you talked about a time period between. In the beginning of Obama, Obama's um, tenure, and now we're at the end of it, and how the beginning was marked, I think that was very astute, marked with the Seti Alim debate, and now it's ending with the debate with me and, 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 and Brother Reggie. What's interesting that to me is the, the debate between Seti and Alim, you know, we all know it's a matter of history. You know, Aleem was basically, you know, no disrespect to the brother, shout out to the brother, but the fact of the matter is he he didn't come to debate. So he really wasn't present per se. You see what I'm saying? That's number one. And then number two, the debate was all one-sided. It was it was firing shots at Noble Drawley and the Moore Science Temple of America. So there's really technically, there's almost no way to win that because one side gets to fire all the shots and doesn't have to answer to anything. You see, huh. that's that's interesting. So now what we have at the end of Obama Obama's um um situation. Yeah, okay, yeah. but between that period, what did you have? You had um within the conscious community, you had a miniature crusade against the Moors. It was like, oh well, you know what? You need a win. You need an easy win. Go up against the Moors. Those guys. Those guys are. Those guys are dead. They over with. In the so-called conscious, <laughs> we're up. That's what we're up against right now. We're up against that at the end of at the at the end of the of um of Obama's Obama, you know Obama's tenure in office. At the, in, at the end of this cycle, we are right now right back in that same spot. But the difference is, they 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 challenged us and fought. They were at the beginning of Obama's you know, Obama's tenure, where they were going to have somebody that wasn't going to really show up and, they, and, and that our doctrine was going to be weak or that our presentation was going to be weak. They didn't expect this kind of strength coming from Moors at all. And they definitely didn't expect to, what my brother Cheyenne just said. They didn't expect the spirit and the vibration and unity, regardless of ideological differences. You see what I'm saying? They didn't expect that. They ain't expect the fact that there's going to be anywhere, there's going to be close to 100 Moors in the room on Sunday from all across the country. They ain't expect that. Right. You know, and, and I want to add one other thing, you know, in terms of cycles. See, and this is a larger cycle, but, it's, but, 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 but it mirrors this smaller cycle that you, just, that you just mentioned. One of the things that we're going to show definitively in this debate, definitively, definitively, 
is that, you know, they, they give the false narrative, well, okay, the Moors got expelled from Spain and then they enslaved Africans, as if Moors are not Africans. Crazy. But anyway, we're going to destroy that narrative. We're going to demonstrate conclusively that upon the expulsion of the Moors from Spain, two major moves made by the European Christian powers. One, the transatlantic slave trade. Two, the exploration into the interior of Africa and across the Atlantic to the Americas. Both of these moves were sanctioned by the Pope to the Portuguese specifically to continue the crusade against the Moors. The Moors, yes. Straight up down. In other words, our people are here directly and solely as a result of the European powers crusade against Moors, period. And if you weren't a Moor, and you got caught up and taken across the Atlantic, it was because you were considered a Moor anyway. That means you were just collateral damage. This was all, the whole slave trade was all about the Moors. It was the, 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 the so-called discovery of the new world was literally, literally the exploration and the exploitation of Moorish dominions after we lost our foothold in Spain. We have this in writing. This is not innuendo. We have it in writing. You see what I'm saying? We have it in writing. This is going to – man, oh, man. Right. The whole, so but, again, because – like I said, because there is this theory. Yes. Right. And um, it's only a theory. Yes, sir. That yes, sir. There are a group of people that are so dissatisfied with their time here in this country – Mm. That they want to return to Africa <laughs> And it's been over 100 years And like I said I went to the UN And the people at the UN said Look, we don't want to hear that shit They said, I can show you somebody from Senegal That came over on an inner tube from Africa And he's right inside of that place right there Because he came here He's been putting in work ever since So they're like, what's stopping these niggas From going back from Africa and I, I don't right. mean to use that language, but this is how right. direct they were with us. They was like, flights is cheap. Matter of fact, you know, like, if Garvey could get a boat back then, what stopped the niggas from getting the boat now? So they're like, nobody wants to go back to Africa. Cut it out. What happened to the whole Pan-African aspect of things? So people appear to be so dissatisfied, right? Like I said, the only thing that glues the community together is trauma. So everyone mm. wants to being suffrage and blame the white man for something, but do nothing about it, because like That's I said, right. the Chinese going into Africa. That's right. And nobody stopping nobody else from going to Africa. Right. So, when is the Pan African gonna go back to Africa? Isn't there gonna right. be nothing left for him when he gets there? So, <laughs> what I'm saying is that if 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 you present this information. Yes, There's sir. such a disdain and distaste from the non-competitive aspect of being in a country and not winning at anything right. that they're even going to be more angrier with the Moors. They're mm-hmm. going to be like, look, man, you, you're the reason why we're not in Africa no more. We're well, over here suffering. I get it. Now, let me, I want to I yeah, finish yeah. up what I was saying with the cycle, right? And, and this is going to yeah. touch on this is going to touch on that. It's going to relate to that. So literally, 
the extreme racism, the, the actual invention of the color code system of race is the cap on, is the cap on the tomb that they put the descendants of Moroccans in during the, for the transatlantic slave trade. That's the cap right there. That keeps you there. Now, here's the, mm-hmm. here's the kick in terms of the cycle coming back around. That's 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 and what they relates. call the shallow grave that they threw Harriman. in. Shallow grave in the north corner. That's it's, right. It's, north. it's it's the denationalization. So yes. let, me, let, me, let me stop here. Yeah, that's right. But now peep it. Just like we said about the cycle with SETI and then with us now, right? We're back. We're we're approaching the other end of the cycle now. Look at like I said. The whole so-called discovery of America, the transatlantic slave trade, all of that was to further prosecute the um, crusades against the Moors. We are here because of that ongoing crusade, and I say ongoing. Let's look at the present day. I don't even got to bring up J.B. Stoner's letter back in 1961 to Elijah Muhammad where he openly straight up said it. He straight up and down said it. He goes, yeah, Islam is a nigger religion for niggers. He straight up and down told it. Now, here we got in the present day. Look, look, look at the look, look at present at, at present at present day society. You have on one end a spike in overt racial animosity towards our people, overt, and at the uh-huh. same time you have a spike in Islamophobia. Do you think for a second? The conscious people, I'm talking to the, to the so-called conscious people that hate Islam and hate the Moors and say we can't be Moors. Do you think for a second these people have forgotten that they are still fighting the Crusades and still you, and, and, and the best weapon they've ever had against Moors is the color code system of race to make you forget who the hell you are? You think... That you think that the spike in Islamophobia, you know, in conjunction with the spike in in in, in um in racial animosity, is separate? Man, oh man, it's one and the same, man. This is the crusades all over again. But they see us coming up. They see a strength coming up in the youth, and they already know what to do. They've they've had hundreds of years of history, hundreds of years of history, and how to deal with it. Hundreds. Man, this is crazy. Matter of fact, I want to say, before I... I that finish, only I hundreds. Thousands. Yes, sir. Thousands. Let me read this to you. I want to read... This is one... This is off one of my slides, okay? This is regarding... This comes from a book called The Moors of West Africa and the Beginnings of the Portuguese Slave Trade by Kenneth Baxter mm-hmm. Wolf, published um, through Pomona College. Page 468. This was regarding the Vatican-endorsed and sanctioned capture and enslavement of Moors as a continued assault following the expulsion from Spain. I'm reading the quote now. But in more practical terms, this crude categorization created a context for Portuguese aggression towards the West Africans. For the category more in the mind of Zurara, we assume in the mind, and we assume in the minds of Alfonso and the Portuguese sea captains as well, carried with it a very specific blueprint for action. Insofar as these peoples were regarded as Moors in some general sense, they found themselves being treated as Moors in a very specific sense, as an enemy to be fought 
captured and sold into slavery. Even when Zarara finally enunciates the concept of natural slavery, he does so as a subcategory of the enslavement of Moorish prisoners of war. Can I add on? Yes, sir. This is a book called Medieval Upheaval, a catalog of bloody European evils by the author Shashet Temet. I brought this book from Brother Ankh at the polite debate, okay? Shout out to the Amira squad. Yes, sir. It says, chapter 2, page 60, medieval laws influence our legal system. For skeptical readers who are thinking that that was then and this is now, much has been written about the legal and judicial contributions of Europe's medieval life to today's Western society. That the feudal system is an important branch of historical knowledge will not be disputed when we consider not only its influence upon our British constitution, British historian Henry Hallam tells us. While Bernie writes, Roman law is not merely the law of an Italian community which existed 2,000 years ago, or even the law of the Roman Empire. It was, with more or less modification from local customs and ecclesiastical authority, the only system of law throughout the Middle Ages and was the foundation of the modern law of nearly all of Europe. One cannot wow. but perceive that certain principles and institutions had had a guiding influence in this checkered society, that there was a continuous development from Roman or barbaric roots, and that there was no other way to explain the course of events during our period but to trace the working of both these elements of social life. Medieval life provides the outlines for modern European and Anglo-American culture. It is why we lack deep existential knowledge of the sciences and education. Medieval Europe is why scientists experiment and why doctors practice medicine, even though humans have been aware of themselves and their environment for millennia. In fact, in the United States, in the United States at least, Western science is still establishing proper dietary guidelines for their citizens, and they are still no set clearly identifiable successful standards for educating Western children. So nothing has changed. This is still the Crusades. This is still the Inquisition. This is still the Reconquista. Nothing has changed. This is cycles. So I thought, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, go ahead, boy. I'm listening. Go ahead, boy. When you bring forth the definition of minor, when you bring forth the definition of status, when you bring forth the definition of color, when you bring forth the definition of words of state, when you bring forth the definition of civilitaire mortus, when you bring mm. forth the definition of, um, you could just think of a, let me think of another one. So by by identifying oneself as a minor, as a minor, the same way that a minor is not allowed to receive any inheritance that it may have coming to it until it achieves what? It has to turn into an adult, it has to be eighteen. So minorities who have agreed to go under the status of a minor Right, are being overseen, they are wards of the state. When you're a ward of the state, you're overseen by the warden. So the wardens are overseeing the children now. Okay, they're minors, all right? And because they identify with the color and they're in a color-coded system, not your skin tone, not your skin color, your, the color-coded white, ETC, or IE, 
the same thing that they do over in India with the Dravidians, the untouchables at the bottom of the color system, the Aryans at the top of the color system identifying themselves as white. So they whiten their gods, the Aryans over there. It's the same thing. So there's a color system over here. It's not a skin color system. So you're identified as a color in that system. And oh. then there's a law called Civilitaire Mortus that says as a result of that, you are dead in the eyes of the law. And you are acquiescing to that. There are legal definitions to these terms. Don't go to what so when I say that. Don't run to <laughs> you'll get lost. That's the trick. That's the make. Go to the black's law. And go ahead. I'm going to send you the slides, but I have all of the definitions. This is a mm. no-brainer. This is a brand-new assassination. This is a, something that you yeah. were saying real quick about that, um, yeah. about that crusade, that. because um, it's very... Only that, brother, it's very, I know you got some information about the Dravidian okay, cast that I heard you mention on Monday as well, so please continue. Oh, okay, okay, um... Uh, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I'm uh, that's in the dictionary race of the people. I'm gonna jump on this and I'm gonna jump back to that to, on the Dravidians real quick. But I just want to corroborate what he's saying about with the Crusades. The interesting thing about that, you know, I posted a video that me and uh, brother and Elamir did on challenging jurisdiction, which is pretty much about the Christian doctrine of discovery, which was the basis for the Crusades, starting in about 1055 or 1097 A.D., which actually started after the Moors took over Sicily. And had to bang out with the Visigoth, had to bang out with the uh, with the Vikings, pretty much the Northmen, and, and, and there was some things there. But this is the interesting thing, right? Um, there's a book that I posted in the chat. It's called "The Discovery of America Is an Outgrowth of the Conquest of the Moors by by the Spaniards." It's that's uh, one of my that's one of my courses, bro. That's right. That's right. It's a good book. It's, a, it's about um. Say that again. I said that's one of my sources for Sunday. That's a great book. Oh, yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt, brother. Yeah, it's a real great book. I'm going to just read a little bit from the opener. It says, The discovery of America by Christopher Columbus was an outgrowth for the conquest of the Moors by the Spaniards. The Moors, commanded by Arabian officers, expelled the Visigoths from Andalusia, South Spain, in the year 711 and established the kingdom of Cordoba, which they held until the year 1236. During the 8th century, they also found the Granada, which at first constituted a part of the kingdom of Cordoba. Under the administration of the Mohammedan emirs, Cordoba became the seat of learning and refinement. Great encouragement was given to the study of mathematics, chemistry, and the physical sciences. The works of Aristotle, Hippocrates, and uh, Ptolemy syntax were translated into Arabic and became the authority of Saracen astronomy and, and of medicine. Now, that's so important because when you see stuff that pop up in the media with some of these police departments, like they do that in the South heavy, they just got this law right now that they got on, on the floor, I think it's Missouri, where they want to be able to deputize uh, any U.S. citizen to be a soldier of God. Now, me and Illamir was rapping, oh. and we concluded that that comes from, you know, Dylan Storm Roof, the dude who ran up in the church and shot all the brothers and sisters up, was the was the spark for that, to be able to deputize that. You also got sheriffs out there saying that their, their authority to police and, and their police powers is coming from God. So really what you see is them enforcing their religious freedoms on everybody via the doctrine of discovery. Now, this is, this is another book. That is a great book to get. If you don't have it, I suggest you get it real, real quick. It's very cheap. The book is called, I'm going to post it in the chat. You go to Amazon. The book is called The Knights Templar of the Middle East, 
the hidden history of the Islamic origins of Freemasonry. This book goes into the of Ace Payne, Hughes Day Payne, I believe his name is. And he, it talks about how he was the one who pretty much was the progenitor and the one who set up the Freemasonry, I mean, the uh, Knights Templar Order, and how Portugal was, uh, was his estate, was one of his children's estate, a more. You see what I'm saying? Now, what's interesting about that, as I've seen Brother Reggie bring up on a video one time, and I, I wish Morris would have cleaned them up on it, but I'm sure you're going to get at him about it, Brother uh, Sharif, and, and we're going to touch on it a little bit right here. The interesting thing about that is he talks about how the Morris from Morocco came and smashed out Timbuktu. What he don't want to acknowledge is that that was a beef between two Moors. But the interesting thing is that the Moor from Morocco, Mansour, he overthrew the ruling dynasty. So, and he was a foreign to that particular geography. And so the people that was native to Morocco did not feel that. They wasn't. But his aim was to protect the coast from encroachment from the French, from, from the French and Spaniards. Now, he called down to Timbuktu for the Songhai Empire for troops to reinforce it. But they had good relations, those Moors had good relations. Those Moors had good relations with oh. the other Moors from um, uh, Morocco that was from the previous ruling dynasty. So what ended up happening is they was like, nah, we're not sending you no troops. So he said, okay, you know what I mean? Cool. But they came through and smashed it out. They came through. The, the Moors from Timbuktu set it on them. So he was like, I said, cool. So he went out there to bang on them. He couldn't bang on them. He came back. He had to get Portuguese mercenaries. You see what I'm saying? Because And he got guns from England. You know what I mean? And then they went and smashed Timbuktu out. But that was a beef between two more. So you can't try to say that, oh, the Moors is responsible for this, that, and the third one. That was two Moors. And the dudes who was running Timbuktu, was, they overthrew another ruling dynasty. So you had two dudes who was usurpers who started banging out with each other. See, these are the complexities mm-hmm. and the technicalities that people got to acknowledge. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and this, way, right. this, is, this is what you have to watch is the you know, that the that their ability they've been clear about their intention. Their intention is to go in there with emotionalism and play to people who have no foundation in history that can't decipher whether like what the brother said, the truth of the matter, you know what I'm saying? They're trying to get the initial response out of the audience by way of emotionalism to turn the entire you know, sway the tide of, you feel me, the, the emotional state of how, you know, how the debate is going. Who you think is winning? You know what I'm saying? That's what they're looking right. for. So you got to be very mindful of that because they're going to be dealing with a lot of half-truths. You feel mm-hmm. me? Mm-hmm. Then later on, people are going to have to come by, come back and clean up and what have you. Like he tried to do it to rebuttal the Temple 13. And all of those facts have been rebutted. But mm-hmm. they're hedging on the fact that people might not see what, you know, these rebuttals are, are, are saying or even coming out. You feel me? So I also mm-hmm. want to know, Sharif, why was there no weigh-in? And also, how is it that the brother was allowed to record for four months or five months? I haven't counted the months. But the brother made video after video after video after video, and then when you were allowed to, when you stepped up for the debate, there was no way in. And I haven't seen your four months of videos. It's as, you know, you had one or two on the network compared to about 12 of that brother's. 
So do you feel right. a little bit of imbalance? Because there's a lot of questions that the brother posed that I'm sure that you won't be able to answer all of those questions in the debate. And even based on what the topics are, they're not covering a lot of the questions that the brother was addressing in the multitude of videos that were put forth over those months. Correct. I mean, it, it's definitely, you know, it's definitely imbalanced, you know, in terms of air time, you know, time, you know, and, and it, it's okay. The reason why I say that is that, you know, that's what he needed. And I'm no disrespect to the brother, but that's what he needed to do. You, you know what I mean? He needed to do all the ad hominem, you know, ad hominem attacks. He needed to do, and he's going to do that. He's going to do that on Sunday. He needed to do, um, to go off topic and come up with all kinds of other stuff and talk to all kinds of other people, you know, with varying ideologies as if he's debating them, you know, or, or no, I'm sorry, as, as, as if those are the topics of the debate, knowing that the people that he's catering to don't know the difference. Is that, you know, to oh, the no, point don't have a clue. you know, they don't know the difference. So, so, you know, and then you know, he needs to do that. And, Sad to say, his handlers know he needs to do that as well. They, they know he needs to do that. You know, I mean, I'll give an example at, at Polite's debate. You know, and I'll just, just say what it is. You know, Sinetta was upset because he got up there and spoke. You know, I, you know, we were told, we were both told, oh, just, you know, say a few words to promote the event. So he got up there and spoke for about five minutes, you know, took, took personal shots, you know, tried to turn the crowd against us. It didn't work. He mentioned religions are killing us, blah, blah, blah. And so I just touched on that. Rather than, rather than address his logic, or I'm sorry, rather than address his scholarship or lack thereof, I was like, oh, this is going to be easy. I'm going to rip the carpet out from under him and address his logic or lack thereof. And then that's what I did. I said that one thing and walked away. You know, Sanetta told us later that that was the way. But if he could have been here, it's just tell what you said. Yeah. Say it again. What happened? He said for the, the people in the audience that may not have heard what your response was or what you can Oh, sure, sure. Logic, I could definitely say. Yeah, yeah, I yes. could def- definitely. I, you know, um, they, you know he, he mentioned we got to get rid of these religions because these religions are killing us. And I'm just like, um, so I, I said real simple. I said, show of hands, how many people believe guns kill people? And a few hands went up. Then I said, how many people believe ki- people kill people? Then everybody's hand went up. I said, great. I said, I'm glad to know, to know that we're dealing with people that use common sense. I said, so if you all believe that religions kill people, then you also believe that guns kill people and spoons make people fat. And I walked off. You know, and it's addressing the logic, like, the lack of logic. You know, just addressing the lack of logic. And I did it in a way that, you know, well, I, I did it in a way where the, the audience didn't feel offended, but they still felt the prick of, wow, okay, you know, that was pretty logical. And, and now I have, I have no excuse to think of, I have no excuse to think illogically on that topic now. So that was, that was my way of taking away the religious argument from Reggie. I don't have right. to address the, the scholarship. I just address the logic that produced the, 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 the poor scholarship. You know, address the mindset. You know, and then the rest of it falls apart. But they, but back to your original question, brother. They need. They know he needs. His handlers know that he needs extra time to try to influence. You know, to try to win the debate in the court of public opinion before the debate. 
They know that. Mm-hmm. Indeed. You know. Yeah. You know, an interesting thing is Kemet has a religion. The, the, you know, I know people don't like to admit that, but anything that's a system, if you've got a system of beliefs or a set of rituals that comes along with a set of rituals, I'm sorry, folks, that's a religion. You know, and the thing that people they want to hate on is the fact that, listen, man, only the Pharaoh and the priests can actually worship the deities. The regular the regular comedic person, that was they didn't have any opportunity to actually worship the deities and stuff like that, like the the, um, the nobility, the priesthood, and the pharaohs could. You know what I mean? So that they everything they practiced there was a religion. Like I said on the brother do the knowledge show. I'm like, listen, if you're trying to number one, Mac Ritchie in um in, in ancient and modern Britons already established that the Moors. Uh, were the custodians of all the Egyptian information and that they're the same people. You know what I mean? Even Bobby Hennett, um, in a video I posted in the chat where he was in the U.K., and he was the, I think it was called something about the Camelot, he was talking about, he named sources of books that was talking about how the Moors was the priesthood, was part of the priesthood that came out of Kemet, and they the ones who was the custodians of knowledge. But when they try to play that religion game, you know what I mean, Hey, Islam is the fastest growing religion in the world. No, Thank no matter you. how much it's demonized, it's gonna it's still the fastest growing religion in the world. It will be the dominant religion by twenty fifty. You know what I'm saying? Thank so, you, bro. You know, That's right. I want to add to. I, I like to add something to that. Even the present day in present day continental Africa, eighty percent of the population is Muslim. Like, what are you gonna do about uh, it? What can you say? You know, did you say I, Africa? Yes. <laughs> hey, hey, Pan Africanism. Pan Africanism. The Pan Africanism. Blyden, he was a Muslim. That's right. That's right. And, oh. and might I add that uh, people remember, uh, people forget, for that matter, that the leading technology giants in the world that are melanated, the majority of them are in Africa. We're talking about tech. Nopreneurs of African descent of young and older ages, but there's a boom in the youth. So there's something they're, they're doing something over there that the youth and African Americans are not doing over here because we looked at your numbers and you need more people. They're doing it over there. So if you go over to Africa, will you be bringing them help or will you be getting help? Because it seems as if there's something going, there's a boom taking place in Africa. In multiple countries right now Where they're doing very well And they're leading in technology Okay, something that Africans Are known for because Africans Are scientists and mathematicians And all of these things But how is it that nobody has gone over there yet And figured that one out How is it nobody has caught a plane Were they on the plane that got left in Malaysia On the way over there To build our African brothers Is that what's going on Because nobody's over there African black city. Oh, wait a minute, Luto. Not only an African black city, but we live in an African city in New York. And there's something called Little Africa that's on 116th Street, which is a shining light in all of the continent of Africa. They look at 116th Street in Harlem, New York City, as the as the the epicenter. The crown, the glory of all of Africa for the Africans that are in America, okay? And there's embassies on 116th, and I'm saying this to Muslims, I'm saying this to Moors, 
I'm saying this to my Pan-Africans. I'm saying this to my comedic now Valley brothers, all of us. Okay? The doorway. This is the matrix. The doorway to jump into Africa as if you want to talk about statesmanship, you don't got to go to the UN. You go to 116. That's where you go into Africa as a Moor. That's where you go into Africa. Those people over there are billionaires. They're making major moves. They're in the season 116. So how is it we are on 125th but nobody really has met each other yet? Got to ask, you know what I'm saying? So we need our Muslims to go and build with the Muslims over there and begin to open the doors, come back with the gold. Let's go over there and build. Let's, let's get tapped into the resources. We have to make this connection. And I do feel that the best brothers that are qualified to go over there and keep the peace and to be very statesman-like would be our Muslim brothers who are in the faith. Because you've got to be able to sit down and break bread. You go over there trying to tell them about their God not being real and what they should be doing. It might be, you know, you, you might be met with a lot of resistance. <laughs> you know, in fact, you know, it was the Muslims over there that protected the pyramids from getting destroyed and all that. Then we also yes. got an invite yes. from brothers mm-hmm. from the Morai Brotherhood from Senegal. They're the strongest out there in Senegal. If you want to do any business in Senegal, you got to go through the Morai Brotherhood. They rock with a uh, with a scholar named Sheikh Abdul Bamba. He was around the time doing his thing, banging against the French the same time as Noble mm-hmm. Ali. They out there like, yo, come that's, through. You know what I'm saying? We we got land, we got brother. gold, all that. You see Morocco, they said they they put the call out specifically to brothers in America, like, yo, come through. Let's let's get it popping. You know what I mean? That shake right. you talking right. about, that was a super duper mystical brother out of Senegal. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Actually, when the brothers from yeah, when the brothers from Temple Thirteen was given brother Reggie that work on one twenty fifth, a brother from that region, from Senegal, popped up out of nowhere when they were speaking about that region. Same way that a brother from Morocco popped up when we were speaking about Morocco. Okay? <laughs> That's right. So what do you call that? You know, nobody talks about that major cooking that took place. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, you know, there That's is um, there's the situation in the community, unfortunately, where, you know, there's um, attachment to empirical information and just this real rigid form of study where everything else is uh, being called into question and now you have a term for it and they call it pseudo. And that's as if to say that, you know, it needs to be sent to the trash bin and um, in, in exchange for we can only deal with Europeans have written in books and um, pretty much said, this is what it is and nothing else outside of that. But then at the same time, that paradigm is being called the African, pan-African think tank forward slash, I don't know. But, I, you know, I mean, it has to be explained to me because I don't understand it. But maybe Jew Brothers... And, and, and as you've been moving around the community, you might have caught wind of, you know, these conversations that have been taking place where every and anything mystical about our people, you know what I'm saying? Like the magical Negro term came from somewhere, y'all. Like, you know, when people do know us, we're putting in a little bit of work, God damn it. 
but they want to take that away from us too. You know what I'm saying? It's almost like they're Christians and they're just saying that shit is devil worship. You feel me? I don't know why they just don't come out and say that. Right. But what what, right. what you know, what can we do in a community where there seems to be this particular divide um, where there's the stoic form of scholarship, you know, people that are reading X amount of books, you feel me, but are not really into field study or now people that are confused in field study, like in this conversation that I heard him have on Saturday with the brother that was on the couch, this brother said that he had been around the world and he named a whole bunch of countries and he said that these are some of these countries or places that he stopped on the way in traveling. Like, you know, you're in the airport. Like, <laughs> I was in the airport the other day, and we did a layover in Chicago. And it's uh-huh. my right to go home and be like, yeah, son, and I've been in Chicago, too. Like, nigga, you was in <laughs> Chicago on a layover. So he going to come in there and start mentioning some countries that he's been in and not tell you that he was in those countries on layovers. Mm. Wow. So he spent a day or two in a hotel in those countries as if, you know, he was doing field study. You see, what happens is that when people patternize themselves after their teachers, they often will do anything to fit themselves into that exact vibration. So Dr. Ben was about field study for X amount of years, and that's what he dedicated his life to. If I went on a trip with him and I did it for one week, guess what? I'm Dr. Ben's apprentice. <laughs> and I'm, by I'm, I'm so sorry, by though. Horizontal, by horizontal gene transfer, I'm by <laughs> the benefactor and beneficiary to all of the research that Dr. Ben did for the last 40 years when he was in the field just because I was changing his dependence or whatever, you know what I'm saying? was taking place. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I'm kind of lost think, on this, and I'm, I'm hoping somebody from, can help me out. Yeah, I think a lot of, I'll, I'll, I'll just take a couple seconds real quick. I think there has to be the people that's out there listening or that's gathering information and that's studying, and they are paying attention to people that present themselves as teachers and leaders and different things. Like, first, you gotta you got to fact check who you're listening to. You know, you got to see if they got any stripes you got to see how long they've been in the game. Like, Sharif been in the game, I don't even know. I know you was in the game before me, you know what I'm saying, as far as publicly, you know what I'm saying? Yes, sir. I've been yes, in sir. the game 10 years plus, you know what I'm saying? Yes, sir. There's a lot of brothers that got stripes, you know what I mean? So I think that there has to be a, a level of sophistication that comes yeah. with the people that are the consumers of the information, the studiers of the information, the researchers. They have to pose those hard questions to these people that's presenting themselves as authorities on subjects and ask them the hard questions and make them answer it. You know what I mean? I think because we live in an age of social media and everybody could just pop up out of nowhere, like, you know, there's a lot of characters that I just see popping up out of nowhere. I'm like, who is this guy? I never, I'm, my ears to the street. I know all of the malls. If I don't yes, know sir. the mall, if I don't know you, then, you know, it's something up. You know, if I don't know you or some other more don't know you, then something's up. So my thing is is that it just I think the listeners and the audience got to become a little bit more sophisticated with yes, who sir. they actually listen to and, you know, do your fact checks, you know what I'm saying, and make sure whoever you're dealing with got stripes. 
That's real, brother. I mean, sadly, you know, the whole, and, you know, I'm just going to call it, you know, the whole Nile Valley demonstration has become the, is, is become, it's, it's, it's become the new conscious TV evangelism, you know? So, you know, it, it's, I'm exactly. sorry. I, you know, you know, a lot of the people that support our brother Reggie, they're really not supporting him per se. What they, what they, what they're doing is that they're protecting an asset. Reggie speaks for their, you know, their voluntary ignorance. You know what I'm saying? So to the point where our brother Ishmael Bay, Amin Rasquad, shout out to Amin Rasquad, shout out to Ishmael. Shout out to Amin Rasquad, shout out to Ishmael. Yeah, he did a show two two days ago, and just explained some very simple things, and then he he referenced everything he said with three references from three different sources. And people still uh-huh. have the nerve afterwards to say that he was a traitor and he was putting up pseudo information, simply uh-huh. because he didn't rock with the Nile Valley thing. You know, he because, because let me ask you this. Yes, sir. I've been outside for about ten years, 125th Street. You know, yes. seen a lot of things. <laughs> yes. You know, I was there and been there every night, every conversation that is considered the narrative that has been taking place in the conscious community over the last 10 years. I'm, I was privy to that. And one thing that I could say without prejudice or bias is that the proliferation or the dissemination of Moorish information, alkaline Moorish information for that matter, information that is you know, non-debatable. It has, you know, all kind of testimonies attached to it, similar to like a Dr. Sadie. You know, he has non-debatable information. He has urge that will heal you. You can't debate it. I haven't seen a lot of demonstrations by my Moorish brothers outside of who can I think of? Hmm. Who's a regular because keep in mind, I'm out there for 10 years, so there's a lot of different media outlets that pop up, you know. At one point, I was doing a visual thing. From I started it out in 08, you know, as one of the pioneers of it, and I went into blog talk. So I never kept it going. Brother Rich came, Baba. So it's an open field where they allow everyone to come through and demonstrate. Yo, this is what I'm doing. This is what I accomplished this month. This is where I'm taking my information, and then they drop their knowledge and stuff like that, right? That happens, you know, that has happened in some occasions with some teachers. Some people have not come and brought, you know, solutions. They just brought information. It's two different things. Like, you can have somebody come up there and draw mad knowledge over the years, right? But there's another thing when they're demonstrating it. They're like, yo, I'm turning it into wisdom. This is what it looks like. So what would you say would be the reason why a lot of Moors, who in my book are the pinnacle of, you know, the intelligence, the intelligentsia, the the ability to show people some of the things that they can accomplish, you know, when they use their minds and when they focus and when they come together and they go at the source, you know, I often wonder, like, why not many demonstrations like that on these on these outlets, on these platforms where we just out there with cameras willing to give everybody a chance. 
Go ahead, bro. Well, well, what I would say is, I'll put it like this, and I'm pretty sure, you know, Brother Sharif can corroborate. You know, you for the most part, Moors is in the work to for the work, you know, and the other brothers, I'm not trying to take nothing away from them. They're fame chasing. I'm not against that. We need public, we need more publicity. I think this debate with Brother Sharif, I myself, a lot of other Moors, we're going to be more active in the realm of being more visibly active and, and presenting more solutions and different things like that. But the being a Moor and you trying to get your community together, there's so much work behind the scenes. It's so much, you got Moors that's dealing with the political aspect. You know what I mean? We presented a bill. You got other Moors that's doing things in other states, like you saw the Moors coming through with the different proclamations. Like, it's, and then you got Moors on the legal side, you know what I mean, that's putting in work in the courts and stuff like that. Brother Elamir, myself, other Moors in other jurisdictions. Then you got brothers, Moors, who's doing community work. Like, I understand that, Sharif, you teach martial arts. You got brothers that's really in the community that's, spending time with the community, trying to help their community. Then you got Moors that's doing things on the business side. So I think there just hasn't been the time for Moors to, you know, come through and, and show certain demonstrations. But I think in this era, I think now we will see that more. Personally, mm-hmm. on my part, definitely on the Brother Sharif part, I'm not speaking for you, but we know you got a debate coming up. You know, yes, and, and, and Moors that you saw on Sunday's show, who uh, shut down Brother Reggie out there on uh, one two fifth? So I think we're going to see that more now. You know what I mean? But I think the reason we haven't saw it is because there's a lot of behind-the-scenes work that yes. has been done, that must be done, that just doesn't afford more is the ability to take, to play the game that the the Black Conscious and RBG and the and the and the, and the Comedic Cats the opportunity. You know, it's just two different lanes. They have. They have more time, not saying, like, I don't know what, not saying I know what they're doing, but they have more time to do the things that they're doing to be visible because they're just not doing the kind of work that Moors are doing because only Moors understand the importance and value of the types of work that we're doing behind the scenes. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I think that is a plausible um, Mm -hmm. explanation as to why we have saw a lack of uh, visibility on behalf of the Moors. You know what I mean? Yes, sir. Before we continue, can I just add a quick solution to that? And then I'm gonna let my brother um, Sharif answer the question. Yes, sir. Well, I'm in the I'm in the well I'm in the field of solutions at this stage in my life. You know what I mean? And what I would say to that, you know, through not only experience but knowledge, is that Moors should collectively, you know, select a platform that they know will represent their image and will be able to document their success and will be able to tell their stories and the extensive history of the Moorish legacy and the Moorish empire and when Moors will collectively be, when Moors collectively come together like we collectively were told to do and collectively build on an economic, because the prophet said that it takes finance to build what it is that we have to build this empire back up, then the media empire that could that could be created that will put visibility on our Moorish brothers and sisters, our brethren who are all over the world, 
this is something that must be documented with high-quality cameras and lighting and all kind of other things that are, that are acceptable at this point. Remember, the playing field has been leveled, and we live in a time of an electrified age that Rebel Ali prophesied, and he said in 2000 the moons will come to be, and they will be, and, they, and we are here, and our story mm-hmm. has to be told. And if anybody is challenging us, it's only because they don't know of the story. So it is our job, it is our duty, you, you feel me, to get, come together and to link like the fake Voltron, you know what I mean, all of the fractured parties or whatever it is, it's time to come together, put our money, our finances, our currency. We do it with fiat, we begin to get, to get into barter because we are the merchants. We are the ones who get things value. You feel what I'm saying? We are value in ourselves. So what I'm saying is the morals have to become more. Our demonstration, now we live in a visual era. It's over. I, I used to be on blog talk. You know, it's cool, but no, it's, it's viral now. Things have to be seen. I'm having conversation with police officers in airports at the LAX, and then later on today at the Delhi in Harlem. They're speaking to me like I'm their superior. They're addressing me as if in a statesman-like manner, like, brother, peace, brother. I know that you eat healthy and you see me ordering something that's not healthy. It's like getting caught eating a donut, but I'm trying to be healthy. I didn't ask him anything. He just turned around and started back. Then I'm in an airport. I'm wearing blue, all blue, head to the toe with LAX. The police officer, a beautiful queen, a, a goddess, Salute to, um, salute to her with locks in her hair, but she's wearing a police uniform. But she works at the airport, so she's airport police. Brother Blue Pill, sister, this is not a color coordination thing. I'm a grown up. I'm red pill and I wear all colors. But salute, peace. And we Snapchatted. And then I was like, Polite is right there in the car. Go say what's up to him. Write him a ticket. And then she went over there and showed him love and addressed us as who we are in our proper persona. So all I'm saying is it, it is what it is. We have to be able to show that. Keep in mind, we exist in an eight-year period where we went from the Northern Court. Dude, you're the face. You know what I mean? You're the archetype. You know what I'm saying? You're the prototype of Moorish resistance. You show the world that it was possible to stand up and be a man in the Coliseum and the only place that it really matters in this matrix, and that is the courtroom. No other place matters. Any place other else, you get shot down, you're dead. But even in the even shot up in a even shot up in your hospital bed, you were still free if they box you off in the court and put you into purgatory, which is Hiram Abyss in a shallow grave that is putting you in a cell, that is taking your freedom and putting you at the Thirteenth Amendment slave, you get to feel what it is to be a slave in these modern day times. That's what they that's the edict that they put on all morals. So we have a group of people who specialize in getting you out of that situation. I would beg to ask and I would do it in an unbiased way and I've asked many of my brothers in all of the communities, some of the videos have not been shown, but I asked the brothers, is there a comedic three step a three-step comedic way to get myself out of the Coliseum, the center, the place where the maritime law and all of these things take place, where they take heads in the courtroom, where they just put their heads down and say, yes, ma'am, yes, sir. And it doesn't matter how much money you had in life, how many people you killed, 
you do not battle them in their coliseums. But there's a group of people who step up and they pull out shimitars, they go to war, Brother Shyam and then recorded that and showed the world. And a, a few other, a lot of other people were showing the world. Then it died out. Then they started killing our people. Then there's a group of our people that said, I wish they would ever start killing our people. We're going to bust back. Then they started killing our people. Then the people who said that they would bust back was like, yo, can't don't shoot. I can't breathe. I'm having a dying. They tried to, they sent me requests on Facebook to join them. I didn't answer the request. But having much, you know, no bloodshed, no gunshot, nothing happened on that side. You know, they said they were they were the ones that were supposed to go physical. That has never happened yet. But the ones on the other side who said that they were going to swing the sword and go away, and they got heads chopped off. We had a lot of beheadings because you know, shit, you know, the Matrix responds when it gets attacked. But then you start seeing snuff films, the reverse of them getting chased out of courtrooms shut down in the streets. Yo, give me a badge number. Yo, move out of the way. What are you talking about? Give, give me your oh, give me your, you know what I mean? All of those videos got erased, erased and then you got the snuff films, the shooting people at traffic stops, the body cam running up on citizens, you know, crayons for that matter. And, no, and, and not in a, I'm not saying that in a derogatory way, but people who they have identified as legally dead in the eyes of the law, civilitaire mortus. I'm identifying the fact that I suffer all, under all of those convictions, all of those brands, but I have arduously prepared to pick, pick myself out of all of those brands. That's my journey. And I know other people who are doing that as well because I know that those brands are more than just brands. Those are spells, and it has an effect on the people. It's a syndrome. That shit has viruses in it. It's like malware. You have to get off of you. If you don't, if you don't get something off of you, how the hell can you say that you have been a free of it? How could you be, how could you say that you are even against it? You may be it. You may be the things that these niggas were talking about. Shout out to DJ Khaled, the more. Okay? Let me explain to you who we're up against. All right? Because remember, Rome was multicultural. It had light-skinned niggas in there dark-skinned people and all of that. Remember, Rome is where New York is. Italy is where the, is where all of the cultures will converge. But Rome sells the barbarians. Okay? People don't want to talk about that. And that's when the Moors showed up and we civilized the world. We saved the world. Okay? Look. While life in ancient Rome may have been rather dicey, the people who overthrew policies and traditions adopted from African conventions had nothing of value to replace them with except for backward practices that Yeah. Peace, peace. As soon as I was about to start going in. Do y'all hear me? Let me know if you hear me so I can continue. All right, there we go. Islam. Peace. Islam. Is Red Dale Islam dropped too? Yeah, I'm here. All right, let me uh, give me one second. Pull him back in on it. 
No, no, no. I'm good. Let's go. They hear me. Barbarian practices were very much endemic to some European sensibilities. That is to say, they were acceptable aesthetically and psychologically. Western society is shackled by regressive cultural practices that intersect our daily lives, political corruption and assassinations, dishonest trade practices, market manipulation, misogyny, the European cultural paradigm sacrifices daughters, wives, mothers, and sisters on the altar of patriarchy for the sake of European male dominance, child slavery, sex slavery, Christian rituals, entertainment from the theater to the circus, ancient superstitions reworked into mythical sacred rituals, warmongering, and authoritarianism, to name a few, represents the European's code of conduct rooted in manipulating and dominating, but not necessarily concerned with obtaining the best results possible. Modern European institutions and philosophy bear roots from Europe's Middle Ages or from ages well before then. Medieval, medieval European practices are of particular concern to African readers who are as affected by them now as European have been always. The edicts of Rome serve as a sterling example of the continued influence of ancient laws on Western societies. Originally named the laws of the Twelve Tables, Europeans codified them in 450 B.C. after Gibbons writes, the rich yielded with reluctance to the just demands of the people. Originally inscribed on brass or wood of ivory, the Twelve Tables give important insight into the European man's thinking then and now. Laws mirror the culture and the early European culture honored neither children nor women. For example, laws looked on children as things and not people. He or she could be sold by his owner to repay debt, and women became chattel and possessions. Other aspects of the 12 tables are recognizable aspects of the American judicial system, such as using deadly force to protect property, noted as declarations of Moses and Solomon. Additionally, being a debtor could certainly be a ruinous affair for the poor. Fathers and husbands could kill adulterous women, and being a slave oftentimes brought one serious injury or death. I could go on, but I'm not. It's just a major key. You know, but everything that you're going through, everything that you see, family, you have to be able to trace it back to this ancient Moorish paradigm, the ancient Moorish stories. One of the best things that the brother Reggie could have done is ask all of those damn questions. Where are the Moors who have been so studious and been studying over the years? You know, where are the Moors who have encyclopedias in their minds? They should be teaching that. They should be answering some of those brothers' questions because it's really – he really was just asking questions. He wasn't accusing, I, I think, I, you know, from what I heard in the videos, giving more the opportunity to teach. Right. And that's all the universe has been doing um, for the last 16 years that I've been involved with the information. I've just seen unique opportunities time again time after time after time for 
more to assume the platform and teach. Teach. You know what I'm saying? You know how many layups? It showed a unification of all of these particulars that seem to be so separate, but everything has a throughway, and that throughway could be found in history. But when that situation fails to materialize, then you get a lot of what it is that you're dealing with now. And I think that, in part, the Moore's failure to collectively unify in this eight-year shadow that um, Barack Hussein Obama was in office, you know, that was a, a, a fatal, fatal mistake. And we will see throughout time how flawed that was, that no one ever made a move collectively to put the charge on him to fly that flag. Because he'd have done it. You know what I'm saying? If it was done properly. But Can I ask both of the brothers on the line? That's that's, that's, that's the esoteric part that nobody wants to talk about. Please do. Indeed. I want to speak about the fact of, you know, Moore's being the leaders or the illustrious, the industrious ones, the ones who were the leaders of commerce, the ones who were the ones who brought forth trade, and they were known for going through the Silk Road, and they were also known for boarding ships and traveling to all corners of the earth and providing the marketplace with goods and services and bringing back knowledge, bringing back information, planting their seeds in different um, corners of the earth setting up empires, setting up families, um, doing all kind of things. We live in a modern-day times where just the collection of about, or just the membership, or just the concentrated number of 50,000 of us, let's say, 100,000 of us, 10,000 of us, if need be, could be enough to change the world by coming together under the principles of unity under the principles of the first, obeying the five principles and knowing that if we all walk in that light, that there will be nobody identifying themselves as, oh, no, I'm MSTA or not. That's the renegade more over there. <laughs> Watch out for those pills. You know, they're not seen in temples often. And, um, you know, or the round table or all of these different laws that I don't even see. I, when people try to tell me what the difference is, I'm like, tell me the similarities in the groups. Let me know about that. Because I don't see no group. I just see Moors. You feel me? And I know that we're tribal people, and I know we're clan-like, and I know we're family-based, so I know that we're crew-based, and I know we're, we're organization-based, and we're group-based. That's cool. I used to be in a posse. It was like a 100 of us. Then I was in a crew, you know. Now I'm on a two-man team. So what I'm saying is one of the main demonstrations that have been missing over the eight years, like Brother Bluefield was saying, is that the collective Moorish paradigm has not found ourselves in rooms with each other, you know, because if we were, there would, there would go our 100 or our 500 or just our 50,000 because there's so many of us that we have not found the time or the purpose, nothing has got us to come together. 
Nothing has got us to join forces. Nothing has got us to network, to come together and show the power of our network. Nothing has got us together to say, yo, we, let's just do a demonstration. Let's just all rent out a, a, a whole town for a weekend and just give a whole Moorish demonstration of what a Moorish city would look like or rather what Moorish Spain looked like. Why, why, why are we not going? Why have we not gone? Because a lot of people have gone to Kemet. Why have not the Moors gone over to Andalusia or Grenada to open, to wake up that grid? You know what I'm saying? To find out and start discovering and going into the catacombs of the castles. I give Dr. Ben credit in the Kemetic Nile Valley, you know, for identifying it. And at the same time, we're talking about two different lineages. So all the morals have to do is say, listen, if you're talking about Kemet, I'm talking about Kemet too, because I'm talking about Kemet. I, I'm, I'm Kemetic to the, to the core. But I'm also Moorish because I understand lineage. That kills everything. I know the Kemet failed. So we just got to get the history. There's a Greco-Roman Ptolemy history. The Ottomans are there. The Arabs are there. There were so many people ransacking and proliferating Kemet. And the people of Kemet had to migrate, had to get out. So we're talking about the rise of those people and our people, maybe not every single more, but we're talking about a considerable amount. So you've got living examples is giving a demonstration right there. Like, come on, you can't separate the two. It's two totally different lineages. You can't compare comedic hieroglyphics or the metaneta against a Moorish treaty or whatever. That, that's absurd. Are you trying to compare the teachings of Marcus Garvey against a book that a brother Polite wrote or a book that uh, Dr. Phil wrote, Phil Valentine, you know what I'm saying, or a book that AA? No. You understand that those are from two totally different periods. So the information is just transforming and passing down as it should. Are people trying to um, create a religion around the information, a monopoly on the information? Are they trying to claim a patent on the information as if information doesn't belong to anybody and it's older than them and it travels? I hope not. We have the same enemies. Who do you think we were going against when we went into Spain as the Moors? That's the Goths. That's the Germanic tribes. That's the same people who ransacked Rome, who killed off all of the black, the quote-unquote melodated Romans and all of that, and, and, and ransacked the cities. They're the Vandals. There's the Ostrogoths, the Visigoths, the Goths. Those are Germans. That's the, that's the damn bloodline for the whole damn Europe, or the people who enslaved you, and for the people who got their foot on your neck. That's them right there. Those are the people, King Roderick and all of these other people. Okay. That's, who met, that's who we went and toppled. So you, you pose a question to the brothers. Got to give them an opportunity to answer it. Oh, all right. Are they there? Yes, I believe so. Pigs. Pigs. All right, let me open the brother's line. 706-631. Peace. 
Peace. Peace. from the 609. Peace. Yo, KTL, what up? Peace, peace. What's good? Is this brother Sharif or Shayef? Nah, this is El Amir. Oh, El Amir. El Amir, what's good? Peace, peace to the gods. What up, what up, what's good? What's cracking with you, man? Peace. Welcome to the show, brother. Pardon me for keeping your line closed for so long. I'm trying to get um, Shayef in the line. What's, What's the first three numbers? Thank you, 917. 917. Okay. And Sharif should be 315. Yeah, both of them brothers' lines dropped. 803, 803. Oh, 803. There we go. Peace. Sharif's 315. Peace. Salam, salam. Y'all hear me? Yes, sir. Peace. Yeah, my bad. I had to call back in. Uh, my, you know, when you had went dead, I thought the line dropped. But yeah, I'm back. Um, yeah, I just wanna, I'm gonna answer some of the things you were saying real quick about, um, you know, with, you know, about the unity. Like it's a real issue. You know what I'm saying? That's why, you know what I mean. I'm taking the opportunity to show show solidarity with the brother Sharif and supporting him. You know what I mean? And what he's doing with this debate because. You know, I'm personally not a more Science Temple member. You know what I'm saying? I got some issues with the doctrine and theology, but we still all Moors. You know what I'm saying? And the issue at hand is, you know, there's been a lot of things that transpired where you got, you still got people with personal development that has to happen. You know what I mean? To get past jealousy issues, to get past the issues of, um, you know, different things that come along with any organization or any type of situation because people want to use these platforms, like I said, to become fame chasing. And when you're not popping like that, when you're not hot, somebody else trying to tear you down so they can get popping. Now, we put together a bill, the Free Sundry Moors bill. That bill was, even though I don't rock with some of the theology and the doctrinal differences with the MSTA, you know what I'm saying? We still covered any more Science Temple member, any more, period, regardless of your faction, you know what I mean? We put in there for protection. We didn't get support for it. You know what I mean? That's been out since 2012. You know what I'm saying? And we've been working on other stuff. We we created the Morris Harlem platform so that Morris can have more mainstream face to, you know what I mean, kind of to, to, to make it in stepping in line and in tune with the youth so they could be more attractive to them. And, you know what I mean, a lot of we want writers, bloggers, different things like that. You know what I'm saying? Brothers just don't jump on it. You know what I'm saying? So the thing I think is, it's more or less everything we do is support-based for all Moors. You know what I'm saying? Everything we do is for all Moors. You can check us out on MurrayCushSociety.com. We got a YouTube channel. So we we active. We do things. We got our own network. But because, you know what I'm saying, we don't necessarily uh, appeal to certain senses that people with their different faction, they like, oh, they're from a different faction. I'm not supporting them. You know what I mean? When we support mm-hmm. all Moors, everything we do, whether in the courtroom, whether it's politically, we do for all Moors. You know what I'm saying? So I think... I think on our end, I can't say that we haven't been active. I can't say that we haven't done things to put it out there. You know, yeah, we probably could have played, we probably need to play the social media game a little bit better, you know what I'm saying, being a little bit more visible on that regard. But we have done things on the benefit and on the scale for all Moors, you know what I'm saying? When we when we was in court, we was doing that for all Moors, you know what I mean, showing Moors how right. to actually stand up, how to get things going. So, you know what I mean, I definitely feel you on that. It's an issue that the Moors need to address, this unity issue, you know what I'm saying? But 
You know what I mean? I can't say that we haven't been doing our part as far as the unification effort and to put the stuff out there because, you know, I see the questions and the stuff that everybody, you know what I mean, coming with when they when they try to do, say, different things about the Moors. We put responses out. People just don't let people know we put responses out. You know what I'm saying? We, we'll chop the heads off of anybody out there. Anybody who got something to say with Moors, they know not to come our way because they know we will wash them. They know that. This is why they'll try to get these other guys who are no names, who are nobodies, you know what I'm saying, and then they'll try to put them out there as if they're speaking for all the Moors. Like Sharif, he's a he's a reputable brother. They got it right this time. If anybody wanted, we should, we should. listen, bro. When I when I link back up with you, right, I said we had hunting. Who need headshots? Who need the headshots? We've been ready for the headshots. We've been had the semi the fully automatics. Everything ready for whoever got something to say about the Moorish agenda, the Moorish paradigm, the Moorish law, Moorish politics. You know we moored out. Everything we create is for the Moors. So, you know what I mean? I'm just saying, like, yo, you know, I ain't trying to get too hype enough, but I'm saying, like, listen, who needs the headshots? Yeah, we're going to play the social media game better. We're going we go to do the little two-minute clips everybody want to see. We understand it's a, different, it's a different grind now. You know, people want to see that and all that. But listen, the substance, the foundation is unshakable. There's nobody who's not a more who can step to us. And, in the more, and within the Moorish realm, everybody know we thorough. We don't get it caught up into the emotionalism, man. We do the fact checks. We stick with what's, a, what's true and what's factually based, what we can prove. If it ain't provable, and if it is provable and it hasn't been demonstrated, then we don't rock with it. If it ain't been proved, we demonstrate it, we do what we do, we go through the trial and error, we report back to the people. If we, would, if we was in error previously, we'll report that we was in error previously and refine that, bring that back like, nah, that's the wrong way, that's the right way. All I'm saying is point them out. Whoever need headshots, you, 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 him, him, and her, we got them. That's all I'm saying. It should be interesting. <laughs> Is Brother Sharif back in yet? Uh, nope. Okay. In the meantime, because um, I don't know if you got a chance to touch on this, the lines might have dropped. On your show that you did on Monday, I really heard you going into the whole aspect of caste and how the term white was even created. You were speaking about Ellis Allen and the immigration as well. You know, you went through a myriad of things when you was touching on that particular segment. Is it possible that you can reach into that bag briefly just so we can give the people uh, some sort of idea? Indeed. Ellis still on the line? Cause, uh, yes. A portion, a portion of the Dravidian aspect he was bringing up too. Now we was just touching yes, on was. the origin of the fact that um, I'm gonna say this piece and I'm gonna pass it to you, L. Um, we was touching on the aspect that when it come down to the cast, the the racial classification system, or you know other 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 in other names known as the the racial you know the color code system, it stems from the caste system. You know what I mean? And all societies had a caste system. And usually at this caste system, the white label or title was the top of the caste system. And when you look at the uh, the United States Dictionary on the Races of People, it touches on uh, a fragment of when India got its independence. 
you know what I mean? And they was touching on how when they got their independence, they had to redefine who was actually white because operatively in the United States, whites only applied to the Anglo-Americans. It evolved over time to include these different um, types of Europeans like the Germans, the Italians, the Irish. Um, they became a part of the operative white class over time, specifically during the Ellis Island period, which was specifically after Reconstruction. You know what I'm saying? So, um, L, you still there? You still got him on? Peace, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, want, you want to add to that? Yeah, yeah. I think um, I was I was citing um, U.S. versus Baghdad, same thing from 1923. That's a Supreme Court case, and it was discussing – uh, whether or not Asian Indians was eligible or ineligible for citizenship because U.S. law allowed only free whites to become naturalized citizens. And um, in that same case, they brought up how Hamites are grouped into the white race, but they acknowledged that Hamites ranged in color from brown to black. So that's one of the, um, you know, significant issues uh, with the caste system that they're operating on in the U.S. as far as the uh, socio-political meaning. So what you have is you have a specific meaning that the government applies in its politics and legalities, and then you have what laymen in the community think these things mean. Um, and not even just laymen, but even um, judicial or attorneys. I seen a video with um, what's that judge name? Not Joe Brown, the other one. Uh, Jack Mathis. 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 Yeah, I seen yeah. Mathis, and it was a sister on there who yeah. said she was black. So he right. said, based on what I see. You black, and then he cited the one drop rule. The one drop right. rule was never nationwide law, for one. It was never federal. It didn't apply throughout the entire country. It didn't apply to the local states that used it. Every state didn't use the one drop rule, first of all. Second of all, that's not what race is defined as legally, you know, but he still cited. The one drop rule is his reference for why he believes she was black. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then you got right. the Mustafa Hefni case, brothers from Egypt. The brother wants to be classified as black. And they're saying you can't do it. White applies to North Africa, no matter if you dark or light. If you're from North Africa, you're getting grouped as white when you come here. But that's, it's not only mm-hmm. North Africa, though. I know brothers that's from Nigeria. It was a brother that that's a he on Murica Society. I don't think he's uh I don't think he's in the chat today, but he worked for Acorn. You see what I'm saying? And they when they had that situation out there with Boko Haram and they had a little refugee situation, when they came over, he saw the evidence that on their birth certificates. And the documentation they was getting from the United States, they was classed as white. We talk about Nigerians here. That's sub-Saharan. You see what I'm saying? So really, the 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 the, the whole black identity is for those who are of a 
of a slave uh, class because we was also touching on that show, L, where we was getting into the Dravidians and um, the caste system of India and how they talked about how even Aryan could, and Caucasian being a layman term and being a popular term can be synonymous with white people, but it does not imply that the person has pale skin. And this is all in that U.S. Dictionary of Racism People. It was also touching on the fact that when you look at the Caucasians and who's classified under it, it was saying that it ranges from people with black skin all the way to pale skin. You see what I'm saying? So it had no, it had no, nothing to do with people um, based on their skin complexion. So when people say, "Oh, this person's Caucasian," or "This person," that doesn't mean that person has pale skin, according to law and according to science. You know what I'm saying? So when we're looking at all of these different parameters and how the caste system developed and how it's just a reflection of the racial classifications of today that pretty much has a has, is distinguished by what community you are part of. You know what I'm saying? When you take the situation with Rachel Dolezal, where she says she wants to, you know, you got this thing they call it transracial where you can change your race, you know what I mean, which is pretty much changing your class. You just got to show you a part of that community. You know what I'm saying? So, uh-huh. When people try to uh, try to get it to a point where they're looking at it like, listen, man, oh, no, we black yeah. because we got black skin. We're not black because we got black skin or we have melanin wish, in our skin. It's I because wish you get labeled black based on the yeah. status. Yeah. Hold on one second. Let me interject, bro. And I wish I had the article in front of me. But Rachel herself, she told him, she said, look, black is not a color. You know what I'm saying? She was more so saying that shit was a culture. It's something that mm-hmm. people do. She's like, I, I got my way of my hair like this. You know what I'm saying? I eat a particular way. I advocate for things that I consider uh, a part of part sell to the black experience. Therefore, I'm saying that that's why I'm black. And she was using, in her arguments, her arguments were very interesting to say the least. It went over a lot of people's heads. They dealt with it emotionally. Yep. But she was citing, and she was showing them. She's like, look, this shit is a fiction. I can align myself with this fiction. You feel mm-hmm. me? And, and, and yep. let's suppose my situation to it and fit right in. Absolutely. Yeah, because it's fictional I, to begin I, with. I got the citation that we was we was reading and brought up the Dravidians uh, right here. It said that... um. Let me start right here. It said the term Aryan has to do with ling- this. Is the case law Supreme Court. The term Aryan had to do with linguistic and not at all with physical characteristics. It would seem reasonably clear that mere resemblance in language, indicating a common linguistic root buried in remotely ancient soil, is altogether inadequate to prove common racial origin. There is and can be no assurance that the so-called Aryan language was not spoken by a variety of races living in proximity to one another. Our own history has witnessed the adoption of the English tongue by millions of Negroes whose descendants can never be classified racially with the descendants of white persons, notwithstanding both may speak a common root language. The word Caucasian is scarcely better repute. It is at best a conventional term with, a, with altogether fortuitous origin which under scientific manipulation has come to include far more than the unscientific mind 
suspects. According to King, for example, it includes not only the Hindu, but some of the Polynesians, that is, the Maori, Tahitians, Samoans, Hawaiians, and others, the Hamites of Africa, upon the ground of the Caucasian cast of their features, though in color they range from brown to black. We venture to think that the average well-informed white American would learn with some degree of astonishment that the race to which he belongs is made up of such heterogeneous elements. The various authorities are irreconcilable disagreement as to what constitutes a proper racial division. For instance, Blumenbach has five races, King following Linnaeus, four, Dinecker, 29. The explanation probably is that the innumerable varieties of mankind run into one another by insensible degrees, and to arrange them in sharply bound divisions is an undertaking of such uncertainty that common agreement is impractically possible. It may be, therefore, that a given group cannot be properly assigned to any of the enumerated grand racial divisions. The type may have been so changed by intermixture of blood as to justify an intermediate classification. Something very like this has actually taken place in India. Thus, in Hindustan and Barak, there was such an intermixture of the Aryan invader with the dark-skinned Dravidian. In the Punjab and the Rajputana, while the invader seems to have met with more success in the effort to preserve their racial purity, intermarriages did occur, producing an intermingling of the two and destroying to a greater or less degree the purity of the Aryan blood. The rules of caste which calculated to prevent this intermixture seem not to have been entirely successful. It does not seem necessary to pursue the matter of scientific classification further. We are unable to agree with the district court or with other lower federal courts in the conclusion that a native Hindu is eligible for naturalization. The words of familiar speech which were used by the original framers of the law were intended to include only the type of man whom they knew as white. And there's a whole lot more, but I'm going to just leave with that. Gee, gee. What a tangle where we leave. Yeah, this, you know, this, this is a bank show right here. Where the brother Sharif at? He back on the line? Nah. Brother Sharif, if you're on the phone, if you're on the call, please press one. Hopefully he's here. True. Let me check my text to see if there's anything. Uh, my yeah, yeah, I was on the Can you do that? One second. But yeah, yo, hey, 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 Red, you know what I'm saying? You know, we already discussed it, man, you know what I'm saying? When I get back up top, you know, take mm-hmm. care of this, uh, this family visit run, we got a lot of work to do, you know what I mean? Mayor, you already know, we got a lot of work to do because, you know, people have been running the Moore's name into the ground and all that. All, I, I'm, you know? all I'm saying, all I need is resources. That's the no only doubt. thing I'm lacking, you know what I mean? I need resources. I need stages. You know what I mean? We need to be able to have access to just all kind of things. I mean, like, what what about talking about the caveats or rather the access to those of us who belong to these, I call them a fraternal order. People call it the conscious community. I'm like, I'm evolving out of that. I'm going, I'm, I'm beginning to look at this shit like a fraternal order, especially 
after going through some of the things that I went through that showed me that this is all initiation-based. It's spiritual yeah. in its essence. But, it's but, mystical. But a fraternal order is, you know, the foundation of a fraternal order is the root word of it is an order. Order. Okay. Right. And that, that order deals with a level of organization, right, brotherhood, and a mm-hmm. commonality that you are willing to secure by death if necessary. So you got to have something that you're willing to die for, and you got to have some secrets that you're willing to keep or that are worth keeping secret. You know what I'm saying? So Absolutely. I, I, don't, I don't think that it's very wise to compare what it is that you're witnessing or experiencing with a fraternal order. You know what I'm saying? When I, there's, right. there's I, mean, I do agree. Um, to fraternalize around in this particular mm-hmm. current state. You know? So we we You know, we to add on to that, concepts. the First Amendment protects the freedom of association. You know what I'm saying? And yes. when you want to legitimize that particular order, you know, you form your entity, you get your thing, you get your thing rolling, you know what I mean? And so, mm-hmm. like, that's why we're at Murica Society, that's our historical society. We got a lot of other entities, a lot of people, they'll say, you know, oh, those are the ALF brothers. Now, that's a separate entity, you know what I mean, for a separate purpose. But Murica Society is a fraternal order, and it's a historical society where we right. gather and sourcing all of the references, all of the information, anything pertaining to Moors, be it a BC era, the AD era, every at uh, this era, we we compiling it. You know what I'm saying? And I think really it just comes down with, with support. Like we have to support one another financially. We gotta support each other business wise. We gotta support each other with Event, like you know what I mean physically with showing up at each other's events and all these types of things and I think around that type of activity larger you know base base yeah nah it's not showing up on my board brother Cheyenne we can't hear you you might have pressed mute. Wait for the brother to call back in. You want to add on to the bill, um, Amir? Yeah, yeah. I know I um, I was told in earlier. I heard uh, the brother uh, uh, Sharif Bay talking about the um, the uh, crusades and you know all that all that real relevant information. I think that's uh, that was that was some good info because um, that's really one of the main uh, issues to uh, a lot of the uh, economic problems we got. In fact, the um, UN Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People that uh, they was pushing for. Uh, if you look into the background of that, that was actually prompted by certain indigenous tribes wanting to counteract the doctrine of discovery, which is, you know, the composition of all of those different papal bulls and edicts uh, pretty much declaring wars. And um, like Cheyenne, uh, I heard him bring up earlier about uh, sheriffs and uh, police out there, they telling you, you know, that uh, they doing what they doing based on their religious freedom. You know, they might not say religious freedom, but they'll tell you God, you know. They'll say they keep saying 
yes, you know, and it is what it is, and, uh, you know, the majority of us got to wake up, whether or not you are pro-self-Moorish uh, uh, declarant, you know, whether if you commit it, it's, it's the same thing. I mean, they, they, they show you in the um, uh, the Negro laws of South Carolina specifically tell you that the term Negro was to be confined to uh, the slaves, and then it says ancient Berbers in brackets, you know, and then it continues mm-hmm. and it ends up saying that it does not apply to free Moors, free Egyptians, you know, and it gives a couple other, uh, you know, nationalities that belong to our people, you know. So, you know, this this information that that Moors is uh, bringing to the community needs to be uh you know, valued at a higher than than what it is. It's, you know, because a lot of these these specifics is uh, very critical to our ability to rise economically and politically. Right. Right. Fully agreed. Indeed. So, can you do this? Um, LMA, can you share with the family that when we often hear this war on Islam or the rebel rousing that's taking place, you know, with the homeland terrorism, the fact that they're drawing a lot of comparisons to Muslims and people of melanated um, color or melanated, you know, black people for that matter, can you share with the family how these crusaders or these inquisitors uh, basically, you know, carrying out their crusades against people, irregardless of if they believe in Kemet or if they wear their pants hanging down off of their ankles, you know. Oh, no doubt. Really, yeah. No doubt. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. That, 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 that's right in line, in, uh, you know, the doctrine, you know. Uh, one of the tenets of the doctrine is to enslave the Moors and seize their properties. And that's exactly what's taking place to our people. They're being enslaved, and their property is being seized, and your life is considered your property. When they when they kill, when the officer shoots one of our people in the street, they're denying him due process, and they're also seizing his life if he dies. They consider that death a seizure, you know. And then they got their fourth amendment that says, it's supposed to prohibit unreasonable searches and seizures. Well, these are unreasonable killings. So they show you right there that although they'll say that uh, these are what what rights they're supposed to respect for all people, when it comes to our people, they don't respect them. Oh, can I add on? I want to read again from the book Medieval Upheaval, page 62. According to Thorndike, Roman law gave great consideration to equity and humanity. Though Burry informs us that the laws of um, Justinian acknowledged three classes of people, the Honestores, the Hemilores, or the Tenores, Servi. Now, family, I don't speak Latin, so if there's someone out there that can translate that, yeah, don't, make, don't judge me. The Anistores were senators, soldiers, and their sons, high officers, titled persons, land holders, and merchants. 
This class was never subjected to capital punishment except for committing parricide or treason or by imperial order. Instead, law stripped monasteries of citizenship and banished them. The humiliators were given capital punishment or sent to the mines. On the other hand, Roman laws beheaded, crucified, and burned service. So guess who the service were? S-E-R-V-I-S, service. Newry remarked that honesteries could not be compelled to a court of law by human laws described as all persons who had inscribed upon the city registers as branded with infamy on account of their employment, also all of the poor. Indeed, social class had ranks and privileges as it does now. From this time, whoever had municipal honors, any official position in the city, or a certain fortune in the system was no longer of the people. Let the judge, says Constantine, especially consider the testimony of the honest here. So they're telling you, like, they honor the merchants, the businessmen, the CEOs, the tycoons, the mega moguls, you know, money and white supremacy, as people call it these days. But please continue. I got a reference from, um, it's called uh, The Christian Doctrine of Discovery of North American History, a literature review commissioned by the Doctrine of Discovery Task Force with the support of Christian Reformed Public Dialogue prepared by Seth Dima. November twenty first, November twenty thirteen. One of the uh, highlights in it states that uh, many scholars consider the medieval crusades of the thirteenth century as the first practical application of this theology of difference by framing the Muslim Moors as less human than soldiers of Christendom, and by gaining papal sponsorship for holy wars. The crusades established a pattern of justifying warfare on theological grounds. Robert A. Williams, Jr., in his useful overview of the legal constructs that guided imperialism, argued that the central concept that guided settler-colonized relationships was the West religion. Civilization and knowledge were superior to that of non-Westerners, and that this logic was employed for the first time in the Crusades. William goes on to argue that a seamless intellectual web connects the medieval crusades to the colonial conquest that take place centuries later. Following generations of utilization of people's thought in the service of crusade and conquest, it was natural that European powers expanded this intellectual melu to include what became known as the Americas. The crux of the matter is that the doctrine of discovery was generated by European nations in response to the addition of the Americas into the intellectual world. It, now, this joint, this joint got a lot of um, references in it as well, but I bring this up to note that when you look at what they're doing, um, well, what they did with the Negro, they did the same same formula that was applied to the Muslim Moors in framing them as less human is the same thing that you find that has taken place with black people. So, not just yes. black people, but but indigenous people. And this just all shows a direct connection. 
uh, today they're grouping certain uh, Moorish groups of people under the phrase uh, sovereign citizen. Yeah. And in the doctrine on the papal bulls, they group Moors as infidels. And if mm-hmm. you look at they're defining a sovereign citizen as it has the same meaning as infidel. <laughs> you know, infidel means there was there's no allegiance. What they're saying about sovereign citizens is that they don't respect they don't respect their laws. They, uh, they don't they don't believe that they're subject to their system. And the whole right. time they're making these, they're taking these positions, they're rooting their sovereignty in the doctrine. One of the other interesting aspects of the doctrine when we're talking about the 13 colonies, we got to remember that King Henry VIII was excommunicated. Why should England be able to benefit from what the doctrine offered? You know, their position is, although they was excommunicated, they didn't leave the Christian faith. But I, I, I think there needs to be a little bit more investigation in that because it appears that even their claim with that is uh, frivolous. You know, but it is what it is. Indeed, brother. Definitely. Can you, um, is there a way to hit Cheyenne on a three-way and see if you can bring the brother in? Because we got a minute left. All right, let me see. see. Yeah. Press one for Cheyenne. We got to work on getting our brother Sharif in here. Family, 347-637-2135. That's the number, 347-637-2135. All right? You're not going to be able to go on for too long. But um, Cheyenne is a 706? 803. 803. All right? Peace calling from the 706. You good? Peace, peace. Are you here? Yeah. Peace. This you? Yeah, this is me, Cheyenne. I don't know what's going on. The lines is crazy. You can hear me? Oh, yeah, loud yeah. and clear. Welcome back. I Welcome back. That's what it is. Honest, honest. Yeah, no, nah, I just All got right. caught up listening, man. This, this, is, this, is, this is a real monumental show, man. You know, it's a lot of... Well, now, lot yeah. Of, we, of, we, hold on, man. Let's just give an honorary... I'm not sure I might pull a drone out tonight. But we want to get Sharice, though. So, Blue, did you get any, any success with that? No, nah, I didn't. I don't oh, want to take over now since we passed the uh, All right. yeah. cutoff mark. All I right. don't want to try to three-way it in. Okay. You know what I mean? Have to click All off. Right. Yeah, yeah. All, All right, family. This show, text, yeah. Yeah. yeah, KTL, com. You know what I mean? Uh, ApparelNormal.com, right? And yes, my sir. power pieces. So, showbiz.com. Yes, sir. Facts.instapage.com to sign up for the free webinar. Facts, the same way that it sounds. Instapage.com. That's a landing page. Go and leave your email, and you'll be part of the database. Because if you're not on the email list, you won't know when we're having a webinar. So, no doubt. Hey. But, yeah, let's go in. Um, I want to go in a little bit more. Um, or would you 
I'm sure we got some hands up. Yeah, we got some hands up in the call queue. Quite sure of that. So we should take some of the callers. Um, I think, you know, foundationally-wise, enough of what needs to be said has been said. I want to ask one question to set it off because, you know, through the eight, I can't even say the eight-year process, but as we become more active in the community and the fact that, you know, we, we sit at a lot of different tables. And a lot of these people I consider my personal friends, you know, and I have a lot of friends that are good people, stand-up individuals, and they are card-carrying members of some of these paradigms and, and organizations, and they bang that RBG real tough, black power what they stand on. I know that this is kind of their platform in terms of one, how they make their money, and two, how they identify themselves. You know, when they look in the mirror, this is who they see tied into the storied histories of the people that have died in the name of these organizations and this particular movement and what have you. You know, do we really expect someone who is fully grown in that lane, you know, moving in that particular way, to put down that ideology and put down that identification to pick up something in exchange that either one, they don't understand all the way to they associate with a religion that, like I said, reminds them of uh, some, some level of trauma that they're attached to that they still haven't found ways to deal with, you know, or three, you know, is non-inclusive of the camaraderie of what they was used to when they was flying this flag and coming under this particular banner, which more so deals with, um, you know, I don't want to say the majority because not the majority of the 44 million melanated people in this particular country call themselves identify with black power or that paradigm or that platform, but there's a storied history to it, you know, as we've seen with the Super Bowl and everything, that people feel some level of comfort of coming under because they're like, you know what this is about. When you see that black fish, you know what this is about. So do you have an answer to that? Because, you know, in conversations that I have with, with some individuals, um, I really see the, the emotionalism coming to the surface when I attempt to pull them away from things that they are very much attached to. Well, one of the things is we got a, um, we put a book out called the Morris, the introduction to Morris race and nationality. It's over 500 pages, pages filled with facts, references, sources, pretty much everything you need to know about the Morris identity and status as it pertains to the validity of it in relation to the identity we have now. One of the chapters is named The Moors Are a Black-Skinned White Race. Okay? The issue is not... The issue is that the people want to continue to identify the skin complexion with the status. And there is no remedy other than the whole, the cold, hard truth about that topic. You know what I mean? For instance, after the 13th Amendment was passed, 
it outlawed the badges, brands, vestiges, relics of slavery. And then the and the Congress put out well, the, yeah, the Congress did, but it's not it's not the president didn't sign it yet, but the apology for slavery. It says whereas Africans were stripped of their names and heritage and identity. That black as an identity is the evidence of that stripping. So we're trying to take a badge of slavery and turn it into a badge of glory, a badge of honor, when there's so much stuff we need to do, but we need to get past that small piece because that is what allows them to justify the actions that they take upon us in the judicial sense and in the political sense because they're able to say, look, they're still wearing our brand. They're still ours. They still belong to us. You see what I'm saying? So it's like if you want to stop belonging to them, then we have to drop that because you cannot, if you love Africa, Africa was faced with the same problem. They had to choose if they wanted to identify with black or they wanted to identify with their tribe. You see what I'm saying? So they had to go by their tribal name. Uh, we was reading on our show that we did. Um, Elamir was reading it. It was uh, one of the sort, one of the quotes was touching on how in the Sudan, you know, they had to run with Arab. You know what I'm saying? A, a lot of West Africans consider them, they call themselves Arabs. You know what I'm saying? So my point is whether we should do that or not is not the issue. We need to get rid of black. The Africans dealt with this in the 60s when they came with their independence. Try calling an African black. Try that. Try calling a, try calling a guy a Nigerian or one of them black. does not work. You see what I'm saying? So and our you know, people here in America, we got to deal with that. And there's really no, there's no way, there's no way to sugarcoat it. There's no way to say, you know what, let's give them what they want. The only other way I can see that working is if they petition and push for the government to change the racial classification of black in the Federal Directive 15 and say that black means any of the original peoples descending from any lands in the world. You know what I'm saying? Unless that's the move they're going to make, it got to be dropped. And, they, and they're not going to do it. They didn't even want to change it to African-American. It's still black. But they dropped Negro. They dropped color. It's color black. With the E-D. And they Negro. used in the meaning of black. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so... I mean, because keep in mind, our parents were not referred to as black. Our parents were referred to as Negroes. Their parents before them were identified as colored. And then prior to that, they were identified as another brand. This era that we're living in, we have, in quote, embraced that term, that brand black. So if you're just looking at the cycle of evolution, it seems as if this is just a time, you know, the pendulum is swinging and this is a time that we're going through and the challenging of the word is akin to somebody had to challenge Negro and somebody had to challenge color. It just didn't stop. And, oh, no, nah, now we Negro. Oh, no, nah, nah, yeah. now we black. Yeah, because, see, all, anybody listening, all you got to do, they got online access now to county clerk records and state archives. You can go and you can look at the slave records, and this is where you will find black. You will find Negro. You will find colored. You will find nigger, N-E-G-A-R. You know, you will find these terms used on slave records. 
They're accessible. Look them up. That's the source of them. This is Aaron. Negro is just Spanish for black, though. Yeah, I know. My point is, is that different different slave owners used a variety of those terms. You had some that did slave records. They would document the birth of a child and say it's a nigger. You had other ones that would say Negro. Most you, based on the term, you could tell what national origin they possibly came with. And when you see Negro, you can tell that that person got some kind of Spanish ancestry because only those particular cultures would use that particular spelling. And then when you got Negger, N-E-G-A-R, you could tell that's the Dutch. The person that made black too. I know, <laughs> but it's Dutch. It's the Dutch version. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying? Person who made this D, the person who made this D for this more, and and put this more onto the county clerk records down as a nigger, was Dutch. You know what I'm saying? When you found black, they just put that's Anglo all day. You know what I'm saying? But that's where these terms is first used at. And if we look at our history, we'll see for the past few generations we have self-identified under them same terms. This is the era where. Our people are attached to black, you know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We posted a video up a couple of weeks ago from um, I forgot her name. Her name is Maya, but she went and interviewed her grandma. Grandma was 107 years old. She was born mm-hmm. on the plant. You know what I'm saying? And she talked about her experience when she was on that plantation era. And this is uh, right. this is Jim Crow era. You know what I'm saying? And she said she said that black stuff is new. We was called colored back in my day. You know right. what I'm saying? So the black stuff is know, new. The attachment to it is, uh, you know, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. But it's a badge of slavery, and it's, it's legally documented. You can't get around that. The Red, let's do the um, callers, please. Let's go to these, some of these callers. callers. Yes, callers, if you have a question, press 1 if you're in the and you call Q and you want to chop it up, press one. Indeed. Yeah, this is definitely a powerful show. I want to give thanks to uh, everybody that came through and everybody that's coming through, you know. I definitely want to thank you for having us on, brother, for real. You know what I'm saying? I mean, this won't be the last time, you know. We have changed we want to say it on this show as well as other shows in the future that we are definitely about to transform like a transformer and upgrade as all things should. You know, everything changes constant. You feel me? So we're about to upgrade and go into the realm of live streaming. So we're going to go. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, 
TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 